Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 6, Episode 13, titled The Same Boat. Uh, what did you think of this episode in general? Same old boat. Same old boat? Taking its sweet time getting from China. Or is, okay. it, two China? is it two China from China? Yeah, I think either way. Well, right. the slow boat, I, I think it's slow boat from, from China. From China. That's the saying. Either way, it's about a third of the way across the Pacific right now. It's still plugging along. <laughs> Right. Um, I, so I feel like a lot of people, mm-hmm. us included, said this last night's episode is boring. Yeah. And I don't know if that's totally fair because I think this episode did some attempts to do something interesting with Carol's character, which I'm not sure I'm on board with. And it might actually be moving uh, paradoxically too quickly. And I think they did a lot uh-huh. of world ba- uh, building with the saviors themselves. To kind of get okay. us a lot, a, a little bit more of a field of or feel of how these characters relate to themselves, and that they're not. Yeah. This isn't a, you know, this isn't a situation we've seen before where you had one kind of ruthless guy that was over a bunch of you know slightly less ruthless guys than a bunch over a bunch of sheep that just didn't know what was going on. Like it seems like everybody mm-hmm. in this community is a uh, is a, is a competitor and a survivalist. And yeah. They all pro- broadly have the same kind of sensibilities, even though there are differences in how their approaches and, and how they, they treat each other and, and other people. And I think that's all good stuff. And, and I don't disagree. I I think, however, there was typically clunky Walking Dead yes. writing that got in the way of my enjoyment of this episode yes. and ended up making it feel like it was a badly paced episode. Yeah. No, the dialogue, the choices that they they made, like there's, I, I feel like this this season's been pretty good on the dialogues, um, more so than most, and this seemed mm-hmm. to be a reversion back to some fairly clunky conversations, and it's you know, well, when your plot device is waiting around for someone to get there, yeah, that's a tough thing to write, and I don't think the Walking Dead writers are up to the task here. And you got a bunch of people that don't know each other, and you got one person actively trying to obfuscate their true intentions and nature, except for... And some of that is the stuff I liked. Uh, yeah. So, n- n- what didn't you like, I guess? I, I don't like the repetition of, of so much of it. It's like, we're going to kill you, but we're waiting around, and we can't kill you, and we're telling that to you in front of you, but then we're going to tell you again, we're going to kill you. Yeah. I thought, just over and over with that. I thought I didn't like how they chose to portray the main antagonist here, played by Alicia Witt. I don't know. I, I don't know her name. I was going to bother to learn, I but everyone either. in this episode that's not a main character died. So right. they will be Alicia Witt, uh, the Lunger, and Sugar, the oh, stepdad, okay. and not quite Maggie. That's what I'm All calling right. these people. Uh, so <laughs> uh, the only reason I, I do know the guy's name is John, but that's only cause I read the emails and someone used it. Who John? No, it's Donnie. The, Donnie is the stepdad. Hell, I actually know these stepdad. People. So he's, he plays a stepdad from Banshee. I don't know who that is. I, hardly anybody. I mean, no one's going to get that. Only reference. one out of 20 people are going to get that reference. Great. That's why if the walking dead audience and the Banshee audience are kind of representative and I, it's not, so probably one in a hundred, but that that's, that's okay with me. All right. He's the uh, only dude it, in the proceedings, essentially. Maybe the emailer got his name wrong, too. Cause, Could be. Because who cares? Ultimately, I don't know the names of any of these people. They're all dead by the end of the episode. Yeah. So who gives a fuck? Yeah. I think it's actually Paula. I don't know what the Lunger's name is. Paula, Donnie, and uh-huh. Shelly. 
I think is what they're okay. and I only know that because I watched the last two times with the closed captions on. Ah. Uh shall we get right into it, sir? Yeah, why not? Uh, we begin by rewinding slightly to the nighttime capture of Maggie and Carol by this splinter band of saviors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carol hesitates when the stepdad from Banshee walks into view and kind of takes a an ill-timed shot that wings wings him. Uh, Alicia Witt comes to center stage. She's the redhead that's kind of the leader. Takes Carol hostage. Uh, Rick calls in and gets proof of life and tries to discuss terms. Uh, the one chip card, trump card that that Rick has is this primo character, mm-hmm. who they have the guy to try to get off on a motorcycle is apparently their medic. Can I say this must be the guy operating the grow house, right? <laughs> primo <laughs> is sure. the guy who operates the grow house, sure. no doubt. Sure, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's their medic, right? <laughs> He's their licensed, licensed and qualified physician that's dispensing <laughs> medication. Yeah. Uh, but Rick doesn't know that. Uh, you know, he thinks he's trying to do two for one. And I don't, I don't get Alicia. Like, why? Either do the deal or don't. I this whole thing where throughout the whole episode she might do the deal, she might not, and then she's going to do the deal, but then she's going to double cross Rick because she thinks Rick's going to triple cross them wasn't super interesting and made her feel indecisive. Maybe that's well, the point. I I got the impression that she was waiting for someone with the authority to make this deal uh, for them to show up. Well, see, that, t- that t- top-down power structure ain't going to work for you in a zombie apocalypse, it, Really, it's not. It's <laughs> maybe, not. maybe that's to show a weakness of the savior I mean, complex. she's been resigned to the secretary position yet again. Mm. I wouldn't stand for that if I were her. Yeah. Well, uh, no, she does seem to have some authority, but not... She just doesn't ever. I get why she doesn't just jump into making the deal. She's trying to calculate things. She's trying to. I think she won the odds to figure be more out a plan because, like, eight on four, right. which I think is roughly the odds that they had. They'd get their ass, especially kicked. with them having possession of all the their really advanced weapons and whatnot. Seems like a loser for them. Yeah, but if they get this other group, which had like between four and six guys in it, uh, those odds are quite a bit more even. So if you're going to do, I think a, you're right. So it seems like she's trying to bide her time until that, but then in the end she decides, you know, I guess YOLO, we're going to... I don't know. I don't know if the dialogue supports that. I don't understand her. I also hated this kind of flirty, smart-ass way she's negotiating. Okay. Like, that's also like... Like something out of Firewatch. What the hell is that? (laughs) It's that new uh, video game that just came out. Uh, I don't know. I feel like they meant it to appear tough. But mm-hmm. in her, it, it, with her, the handling, it turned out kind of whiny and flirty, which is not, I don't think, what you I, want when you're dealing with the... This is the second role I've seen her kind of do that performance in. And I, like that justified role, I also didn't care for that But you much. know, that made sense because she's dealing with her brothers that they don't, you know, it's like she's says some... I don't, I don't know. I don't it's think it like doesn't it make sense. I just don't know if I like that character, I guess. Yeah. Uh, no, you're right. I don't think it's very appealing, but, you know, the fact that it also seems like it's a good way to get your head blown off in the zombie <laughs> apocalypse is, uh, is another thing I didn't like about it. Also, she feels... I'm sorry, but she feels like the poor man's version of Christina Hendricks to me. Like, she's trying to do the Christina Hendricks uh, visual, and it's just not working. Well, she's the fucking bankrupt <laughs> winos version. I know how much you if, like if Christina Hendricks. we're going with the Christina Hendricks department. Right. Uh, you know, I I don't even know how to res- properly respond to that. 
She she has a similar similar look, I'd say. Huh. Uh, they both have red hair. Well, that's about where it ends. I don't. I don't. I don't Pale think skin. So. I think there's more. There's something about them that I can't describe that is similar. Hmm. You know, I mean, you're you're right. Like Christina Hendricks, Joan ha- uh, Joan pulls off a kind of like it's it's slightly an almost spoiled brat delivery like early earlier on especially yeah. in that series but there i guess there's actually some underlying power and menace to joan where i just this person just seems like they're pretending and maybe okay. that's the thing maybe this is uh you while carol is a more meek and gentle person that's pretending to be a tough person and succeeding you know you've got uh this other person who same kind of thing, a secretary and she stepped on and blah, blah, blah. She's doing the same kind of pretend job less successfully. I, I don't yeah. know. And I just watched, uh, you know, basically post apocalypse, uh, Christina Hendricks and Firefly again. So, Oh, I guess. like she's looking just as, as frazzled at the beginning as, as Alicia Witt's looking here. All right. Apocalypse. A- agree to disagree and move on. Uh, ah. Ma- Maggie and Carol get hooded and bagged and let off, and there's lots of POV I- hoodie shots. What do you think of those? C- can I say, before we get to this... Okay. So there are a couple things I like about this this starting scene. It really kind of removes the power from Rick and company, right? I mean, on one hand it does, on the other hand it doesn't. It does from their perspective, because they have no idea what's going on here. They don't know where this, these people are. And we get to see them through the binoculars, which but- is always a... diminutive sort of thing right uh on the other hand we know that they can't take them Mm -hmm. they don't have enough force and then something i really hate to bring up here oh but day night day night (laughs) cycles is like from this side of the conversation is even worse because they they take maggie and carol hostage they wait for what must be hours in the woods just chilling in the woods with hostages Mm mm-hmm until the sun comes up, and then they wait a, wh- a good while longer until Rick and company come out. Well, it begs the question of how long did that fucking raid go? Like, yeah. I'm thinking it's five minutes from from the alarms going off to it being all over. It Apparently has to be. not. It has to be. Like, these kind of gunfights don't <laughs> rage for hours. You wouldn't think so, no. Uh, this is not the LAPD y- you're standoff. Right. You're right. Because it does a different kind of... Esta- like... It's just real bad from this side because there's nowhere to hide the daytime, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, at least you can hide it when they're inside the building, but yeah. not here. Yep. No, it's, uh, but I, you know, it, since they did rewind it a bit, I guess it's probably harder to get a nice, you know, to, to do the dawn patrol on sub. I don't know. I'm trying to make excuses, but it comes down to they're too cheap to do it right. Yeah. So, moving on. Uh, what do you think of the POV hoodie shots? I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, not bad. Gave a nice, you know, we're, we're hearing them. Like, I feel like that the saviors have a lot of things down that our group still struggles with. Mm-hmm. They have rally points. They have safe houses. They have uh, codes they use on the radio. So if people are listening, they just doesn't immediately give up the plot. And they switch right. to, like, Rick's group still doesn't know. Like, what the hell? Like, like it would have been great if... Hey, if one of us are captured, we have a phrase we can use to let us know whether we're under duress or under that. <laughs> Carol gets on the walkie. Kaka! Yeah. yeah, so what are you doing, lady? Yeah, but something that's like codified that this is how uh-huh. we act in these like and they've had so much time to develop these things and they haven't. Yeah. And I thought it was funny that the saviors in just these scenes of them with the bags over their heads, like I bet Carol's like, I got to remember this. This is pretty good stuff. Wow, we would have saved a lot of people if we had this in the prison. Uh huh. Anyway, 
Uh, they arrive at the safe house that has been semi-overrun by Growlers, which is the savior version of Walkers. Yeah, and you can tell that it's a slaughterhouse. It's a slaughterhouse. You kind of get a couple of signs that say, mm-hmm. uh, like, killing floor and stuff like that. And oh, is it ever. It's a slaughterhouse slash barbecue. It's an innovation in slaughterhouse technology. You go right from, <laughs> uh-huh. from farm to table. You go right from killing floor to barbecue. Mm-hmm. No, no, no stopping. Uh the our heroes Maggie and Carol are quickly duct taped into helplessness. Carol manages to steal a rosary from a zombie that's been drugged past her, which is going to be important later. As Maggie starts to try to cut her tape by rubbing it on various sharp things, which not a bad way to go. Good job, everybody, all around. Yep. Uh, Carol fakes a medical emergency, and the saviors give zero fucks. <laughs> like Maggie trying to just draw attention to the medical emergency is more successful at getting attention than Carol who. Hyperventilates well for what feels like it's five minutes. I started to get lightheaded just watching this scene. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't pass out. I, I wonder, like, logistically how they did that on set. You like, know, okay, I, I can only do this for so long. Because I, I noticed they panned away from her a lot. I bet they just looped it. Yeah, probably. Because, yeah, you can't. They were like, okay, we're coming in for a close-up now, Carol. You need to do this for, like, ten seconds. I do that for 30 seconds. It's not comfortable. We're, let's try it right here. <laughs> Right now. A full minute of hyperventilation. Just for the premium people on the cameras. We'll pass out. Uh, if we don't wake up in like five minutes, call, call 911. We live we live uh, uh, around in Cincinnati. East in Cincinnati. Just call they'll be all able, the Cincinnati They'll be able to triangulate our location with some kind of internet magic. Uh, are you ready? Let's do it. Uh, anyway, uh, well, where, where and we're back. Going? That yeah. was rough. That was rough for all you people who didn't get in on the club action. <laughs> we took some yoga breaths. We've calmed their asses down and yep. we're ready to resume. Uh, and I, you know, everyone here is just scornful of how weak Carol is. And they're saying the same things that oh, we it. said for many seasons about people like Carol you'd stumble upon. Like, how are these people still alive? Right. And I got to think that some of this stuff is meta commentary. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably. Like, if The Walking Dead's own fucking writers are calling attention to the fact that a person like Carol's pretending to be should not be alive, yeah. how many more people, how many more gimpy hippies and scared housewives right. and families hold up in apartments supplied by Hormel Chili? I, I think how we're many out more of, do we have? I, I think we're out of the gimpy okay. hippie phase. Good. Uh, finally. Good. But it also helps that Maggie is is rolling tough here, right? She's like rolling you tough. Can, you get the idea that maybe she protected Carol. Why? In the group okay. Why? Why does Carol reveal that Maggie's pregnant? It beats the fuck out of me. I, as with subsequent watches, I started developing a theory that Carol wanted them both to sleep. Wanted they then to sleep on both of them. Like there's no. This okay. is a pregnant woman, and this yeah, is a scared housewife. Yeah. And to these people, that's code word for these are not a threat. Right. Uh, you know, if they're making fun of you and scorning you, they are not taking you seriously as a threat. Mm-hmm. And it uh, led to their downfall. So kudos on that. Uh, it does seem, though, that the risk there is that now that they know Maggie's, Maggie's pregnant, that also means that she's more valuable than you would imagine to the group. It's like them. Yep. If, if Rick knew that um, Primo... Uh, if Primo Kush was was their was their <laughs> medic, he would know that hey, this is a two for one trade. Yeah, I just got nothing but a veterinarian's daughter and and a crazy housewife. You you've got a I got your medic here. He he's got uh, oh yeah okay. Uh, 
Alicia's extra scornful of Maggie being present, uh, pregnant, and they have a debate about whether it's ever smart to get pregnant in in a, any world that's ever existed, which is kind of like a I don't know a thirty second meditation on feminism. Uh, Carol tries to make the lunger not to smoke because of the baby, which she thinks that's <laughs> hilarious, but not quite. Maggie tells her to knock it off. Yeah, which I think this is all supposed to sell us the softer side of the saviors that. You know, there's um, some of them. They're not soldiers and they're not sheep. There's, you know, variations in what they feel sympathy for and what they agree is is uh, above the board behavior and below the board. Right. Do, do you get that they're a little bit more rational than people like the governor? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, some of them. I, I think they did a really good job showing a kind of spectrum here of like from stepdad or whatever his name sure. is stepdad all, uh, to alicia witt to to lunger like all those people have different opinions on the scenario and th- they still listen to the person in charge but they're not afraid to like say hey this is how i feel about you it. you have to wonder how did those people get along with the meat puppet a little bitch broke my nose guys right like how does that work i don't know i don't know maybe they couldn't stand to be around him and so they were on they were on raids and on I don't know, recon missions and maybe stuff. it's just like politics you just it's like hey we don't talk about we don't talk about the crazy shit you do you yeah. don't talk about the cigarettes we smoke and we'll 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 get by yeah uh so and, and there's this this title is in here the same boat mm. uh where you know the the dead woman walking is talking to carol and uh carol says hey you're gonna you're gonna die and she's like yeah you're in the same boat uh, apparently not. I mean, Carol's going to live for a while longer, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. We have a pretty good email on this, so I didn't, don't want to get too far into it. Okay. But. Uh, well, Stepdad's dad, uh, his, his tourniqueted arm is really bothering him like it would. It's dying and it's telling yeah. his brain that, Hey, yo, we're dying over here and it hurts. And he's getting tired of her wanting to wait for backup. So he just up and backhands her. Uh, Maggie decides to get into it, so he kicks her leg. She kicks his legs out from underneath him. He drags her up by the hair, gets a headbutt for his trouble, which like I thought that was awesome. Uh, Carol then tackles his legs, and Alicia ends it by pistol whipping stepdad. And then she has not quite Maggie drag the actual Maggie out to interrogate her, something she should have done a long time ago. Which fair point, you should you should absolutely have interrogated these people. And I'm glad to see that they're interrogating separately because that's a smart thing to do. Right. Don't let don't 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 uh, although interrogate is is a very light word to use. Like she's just asking questions. There's not even a particular menace to it. Yeah. There's no pistol whipping, there's no, no. uh feels like there could have been a little more violence in the interrogation. Yeah. Yeah, like I feel Rick I like mean some Rick, more shining lights. Season two Rick has been known to torture people. Oh yeah. Or at least consider yeah. it. I, 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 these people are almost a little too soft to be believed. Um, during the interrogation, not quite Maggie brings an excellent conceptual point up. Uh, this whole theme of you are not the good guys, which I thought was super was was pretty interesting. And it's kind of it, it's hit home later on when Alicia Witt saying, "Okay, fair enough, you killed our people because that we we're going to rob you blind, but then you all mounted up and came and killed us when we, you know, you were the aggressor." I mean, you can yeah. debate that kind of stuff, you know, just kind of like what Rick and company did in the church last episode. But I think it's an interesting point that 
there is a quite a bit more shades of gray. We don't know anything about these Negan people other than what the Hilltop showed us and the fact that they tried to shake down uh, Abraham and uh, and company for their guns and weapons, which I've seen Rick do, too. Yeah. Rick has taken people and left them for dead, just shit, and taken for uh, taken them for left them for dead. Mm-hmm. Try to do that. It's like that's kind of a thing you do to strangers. Are you worried that we that, that they're getting into an unnecessary war here? Yeah, a little bit. I think it's certainly. I don't know. We talked a little bit, and we'll probably talk more about it this in the feedback. But we talked a little bit last episode about whether or not this war was smart, like to take it to them before they really knew anything about them. And I guess it depends on how much you trust the people on the hilltop. Uh, do you think that they're... I mean, I, do you trust Gregory or not, any of that not leadership particularly. I trust Jesus more than I do Gregory. <laughs> well, uh, but, who doesn't put their trust in Jesus? But that's the thing. Like, do these characters trust him and should they? And I don't know that the answer to that is yes. And so them going all out war right away seems a little too hasty, Mm. Uh, especially without any real knowledge. It's like, look, we saw two guys with the guarding this this area, and that's it. That's all we know. Uh, There's a hallway. (laughs) We can tell you that. Yeah, it just seems like yeah, they jumped into it a little too gung ho. And and even like I could see a guy like Abraham doing the meat puppet thing. Yeah, you know what maybe, I'm saying? maybe. Like you get him in uh-huh. the wrong day and with the wrong, right. I can see him because that's he kind of laughs at inappropriate moments already. Maybe, maybe bringing a head in and uh, doing the meat puppet thing to break up with Rosita. That could have been <laughs> one step worse than what he did. Yeah, let me let, let, let my let, let me let my pal explain how this is going to go down, babe. <laughs> right. Uh, he's just not that into you. Um, and I, I'm not saying it's it's a bad thing as far as writing that they went ahead and did this. I'm just questioning like. Is this going to be a good decision for the group or not? Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, I don't know. There is some kind of crime and punishment situation going on here uh, because not quite Maggie reveals that she lost her pinky stealing gas to go look for her boyfriend who got exploded, which yeah. is now uh, tying in the events from the f- uh, season premiere to this episode. Right. Uh, she's also reveals she has a tattoo. I-, I swear to God, Maggie found out more about this woman interrogating her than she found out about Maggie by far. Mm-hmm. Uh, she found out that she's got this tattoo that's her dad, and her dad is a swell guy, and she's going to name her baby after, and she's lost her baby, which is probably why she's sensitive to fetuses and secondhand smoke. Right. I mean, come on. Same boat. Yeah. How, yeah. how much more same boat can you get than uh, than Maggie with this situation and Alicia Witt and Carol both losing their daughter? Like, all of this kind of yeah, stuff, Yeah, right? like, it's it's like this the French guy at the Indiana Jones, like, I'm but a shadowy reflection of you. I, but it's not even that shadowy. No. This group of saviors is extremely close to Rick's band. It's like a dirty selfie mirror it, is essentially what it is. Or a bad Instagram filter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway... Uh, but she's adamant that she's not going to go soft on Maggie, and I'm like, I think you're protest- protesting too much because it's manifest that you are getting soft on Maggie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carol tries to bond with Alicia and the Lunger over her ex-husband, uh, trying, uh, you know, using to uh, formerly beat her. Mm-hmm. And Alicia says, "Cut the crap! I know exactly who you are, and you're pathetic." At Rick, at this point, Rick calls her up, and she passive aggressively whiny flirts with him about, "Oh, I was supposed to call you, and then you call me." And, yeah. uh, and again, I'm not saying this is bad. I just personally found it off-putting and annoying. Yeah, and maybe I'm supposed to. 
And she's dead, so who cares, ultimately? Right. And yet again, it's another threat of, we're going to kill you. Unnecessary, because that's implied. Yes. Uh, it's another, like, it's taking another someone hostage, threat and boasting. The threats are implied. Like, you don't even need to make the threats, necessarily. In fact, it's kind of scarier if they don't talk about it. Sure. It sure. Make, yeah, like, if they're all constantly, you know... I'm going to kill you next scene. I'm going to kill that. That did lulls you into a whereas if they're just uh, shut up, you're you're tied and you're gagged, and that's the way it is. I feel like that would be not 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 talking to them at all is is what's what's terrifying. Yeah. Uh, so they start some shit with Carol about how they butchered her people, and Carol cries and says, "We had to kill your group because they're going to take all of our shit." And Lunger's like, oh, yeah, it sounds like those idiots. They probably rolled tough on you and and put on a big show, which. Again, we're seeing this is the kinder, gentler side of the saviors. Uh, and Alicia says, "Well, you know, that's fair. Uh, you you killed us, but then you came here. I, I I don't know. We we talked about this logic a little bit. Um, they also debut this we're all Negan line, very Spartacus esque. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, do you buy this plurality of Negans? Do you think there's actually someone in in command, or is this a tactic? I think this is a tactic more than anything. Like you know, you don't salute soldiers or officers in war because exactly. that tells the snipers where to aim. Yeah, exactly. I think it's it's a mechanism to confuse people um, to to hide. You know, it's it's a sand people thing of hiding numbers by traveling in a single line, that sort of thing, uh, sure. akin to that. Sure. Uh, then she gives the most same boaty, same boat speech that has ever boated in the same. Uh, she says that she was a secretary and she was oppressed mm-hmm. by her boss, and her job is to make him feel better. And she tells this uh, inspirational email about boiling carrots and eggs and coffee and getting the worst frappuccino ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Bruce Lee would disagree. He would say, "Be the water." He'd say, "Not the beans." Mm. Mm. Uh, be the bitter brown water. <laughs> and not the beans. Uh, and I, I mean, I guess this is deli- this is just to show something with Carol because she deliberately mentions that my, who my first kill was, and then I stopped counting when I got the double digits, which is right where Carol's at, and that's when I exactly. stopped caring yeah. about it. And then we realize the difference with Carol is that she still cares. She's had a Morgan over her shoulder, constantly mm-hmm. whispering, uh, "Don't do it." Yeah. Uh, but then Carol asserts that Alicia is the one that's afraid to die and that she will if she doesn't work this out. And I don't... And she hopes she won't have to kill her? I, to me, she's she's giving away a lot, too much of her housewife persona here. I agree. This is, yeah. is, is kind of cold-hearted smack. It's not uh-huh. something you say when you're trying to lull someone to sleep. Right. The whole, like, from the moment she gets that cigarette in her mouth to, to the end of this thing, I'm like, she's, she's dirty, giving hairy. away too much. Uh... I I think they're doing an okay job rolling out Carol's feelings about killing people, though. I, I think it's been pretty well-paced. Like, I don't know that I buy the change, necessarily, um, that these things would affect her in this way. But assuming they do, and they apparently have, I think they're doing an okay job with it. it, it I mean, seems... you're free to disagree if you don't like it, but I, I it's the... been, it worked for me. It just... You go from the finale where her and Morgan were locked in a life and death struggle over I their know. philosophy, and we know they haven't talked about it, but they've it's been through. I mean, I I guess it I does don't, seem a little sudden. I'm not gonna. 
Like but that you're right. Changed, like one, but once that change happened, I think it's been good from there. The number one thing we accuse The Walking Dead of is not being decisive and letting these plot lines linger. So I don't ever want to say, "Hey, pump the brakes on his character development." And I do. I mean, uh-huh. the one thing that makes this episode a net positive for me is that it 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 moves on. Like these characters are all dead, and we have a resolution. And this could have been something they stretched into another two or three episodes, and we could have had a slaptown situation, savior style, but we didn't. So it makes me wonder, also, um, how much contact uh, Alicia Witt had with these people who are coming to back her up, and how much contact they had with any other remnants of the saviors that might be around. Like, are there more saviors? Have we seen the last of them? Have they killed all of them? Like, is what what other repercussions could be coming down? Yeah, and I think that's something we're supposed to be questioning. Yeah, like we yeah. know that Rick and company have had to have killed a few dozen at this point. Like, it seemed like there was eight or nine uh, yeah. that they blew up at the, by the roadside. Mm-hmm. And just from what I saw last week, a good dozen, if not more, and now they've killed. Yeah, I, I feel comfortable saying two dozen at minimum. Yeah saviors have been killed with zero losses experienced by rick's people that's pretty phenomenal it is yeah and they were already on the lookout for a new group because their first group that got blown up that which happened three to four weeks ago was not uh uh, did not go unnoticed by the saviors yeah those are all interesting questions to ask uh so alicia decides to make the deal with rick but as soon as she gets off the cb she immediately realizes oh this is too easy and there's no static so they must be nearby they followed our tracks or lying hell yeah they did they got daryl fucking dixon yep he can see a newborn squirrel's path through a leaf-strewn forest <laughs> he can for sure follow you guys dragon dragon maggie and and blind carolyn toe mm-hmm uh, Carol tries to talk her out of it, saying, look, Rick's a man of his word, but obviously that's not going to work. And there's this really great performance where Carol just, like, as soon as they walk out of the room, she just takes a deep breath, like, well, now this is going to happen. And starts using this rosary that she's been sharpening the whole time and cuts herself quickly free. Uh, she manages to find Maggie and helps her free herself. Um, there's also a pretty funny scene where she comes across the Lunger fighting zombies. <laughs> Who gets winded, and, and there's a zombie on the floor, and she's like, just just a second, sugar. I, <sighs> this this hardened southern charm, I, I just, I love that character. That's a good character. I know. We, uh, it's a shame she's dead, but, nah, what are you gonna I do? I wish that we can find, that we can make contact with a group of people that's essentially all from Harlan County. And it's led by <laughs> Walton Goggins. Uh-huh. Wouldn't that be amazing? And, and they're all kind of like, on their way out, they all have lung cancer. They're all not <laughs> sure they do. YOLO. It's like yeah, yeah. They're all formally sweet. addicted to meth, and they had to go off cold turkey because he can't find decongestant anymore. And yeah, yeah, they're it's all pissed and 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 looking to to uh, draw menacingly at you. <laughs> I would watch the shit out of that season of The Walking Dead. Uh, Bear McCreary. Once again, he, he kicks into high gear here at the end, and he's killing it with the score. He does. I love it. He's got the he's he's. He's got this go-to synth track that uh, is really working for him. And now. there's a little bit of, like, industrial Nine Inch Nails stuff in there, too. Sure. <laughs> like, you're listening to maybe the last track on Further Down the Spiral mm-hmm. or Furthest Down the Spiral, maybe. Sure. Uh, Maggie realizes that Stepdad's already dead and will be turning soon, so they hatch a plot involving tying him up so that he can't uh, hurt Maggie and Carol. But as soon as Lunger comes through the door, bam, he's on her and he's chowing down. Uh, and in her weakened state, Maggie comes up behind her and kills her, beats her to death, pistol whips her to death. Yeah. 
She was on her way out anyway. True. Just sped it up. She she helped her. She's a dead woman walking no more. Uh, in fact, I don't know if her brain. She's going to be uh, one of those uh, growling dead women. I don't know. She's already growling in life. Like it's uh, her zombie. I don't know. It's 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 a it's a moral equivalence I'm making there. Uh, so and Carol kind of looks on like whoa. And you can kind of see her considering this violence. There's there's a lot of questionable decisions that her and Maggie make here in the final minutes of the episode. Yeah. Uh, Carol and Maggie uh, make it to the front exit where Alicia jumps them. Maggie tells Carol sensibly, kill her. Just shoot her already. Mm-hmm. But Carol t- tries to tell her to run. Turns her back on this fucking walker, which I knew from the start sure. was a terrible idea. To be fair, these walkers are all pinned like with rebar. Yeah, but, but yeah, that's You just not... don't turn your back on... On no. your ultimate demise, like, like I, she, she, she starts morgalizing. She does. And we're gonna have to change it to Carolizing. Carolizing. Mm. Man. Mm. Uh, so she hesitates, which allows the zombie to tear itself free from the rebar and jumper. Uh, Carol takes a poorly aimed snapshot at Alicia. She's doing a lot of that. Uh, she said she missed the stepdad on purpose because she couldn't quite kill. I think. That's not what happened here. I think that's like she just got an off-balance shot because the zombie startled her. I think so, yeah. Uh, now not Maggie gets into the mix somehow, and she jumps actual Maggie and cuts Maggie's belly, which I was like, oh, shit, but it doesn't look like it maybe not even... It, it made it through the shirt, and that's it? I, th- I think so, but it causes not Maggie to stop and apologize and right. get her head blown off which, which what's let's carol come up and just execute her some really good like don't give a fuck blow people away stuff here yep. <laughs> between yep. between carol's kill here and rick killing primo yep great stuff yep uh and then so then there's this i think is the dumbest monologue where alicia's on her knees and she's laughing at carol and saying oh you were so afraid what are you so afraid of carol She's like she's not smart enough to realize she'd been duped this whole time. But then Carol takes the bait and says, I was afraid of having to kill you. Mm-hmm. I so was she experiencing a real fear and channeling all this? It's a real good question. Or uh, was this an act? Because I guess like last season, Carol, I'd just be like, No, this is an act. She she meant for this to happen the whole time. This is more like I was having an actual physical reaction and I spun it in a way that would make them underestimate me. I think they do walk a fine line with that pretty well. Um, Because I found myself questioning throughout the episode, is she or isn't she faking this all? Uh, I mean, I think she's faking the rosary stuff. I don't think she's faking not wanting to kill these people. I think she's probably even faking the hyperventilation. I don't think she's actually hyperventilating there. You know, the thing is, is I guess I, I, I would rather than tweak the dialogue to have Alicia essentially said, I see what you're doing. You outfoxed me. You weren't afraid at all. And then Carol could have said something like, you're wrong. I was afraid that I'd have to do this. Hmm. I didn't kill her. Instead of it making it seem like Alicia still didn't understand at the end why this has all happened. I thought that would okay. make a, that character look smarter and Carol will look a little bit more bad at I mean... You know, still sad and resigned, but still keep a little bit of her badass because it feels like she's just giving away all of that between the the beat cookies does. and this. It does, unfortunately. That's the thing. Like, I don't think her psychological change is maybe happening too fast, but the way it's affecting her habits and and that stuff is is something that I'm not liking. Hmm. And then, then the other thing is, while this is all happening, there's a desperate life and death struggle happening, and Maggie is just staring. <laughs> 
<laughs> what the fuck is she doing back there? She's read the script. She knows it's all going to work out. I, I man, I don't yeah, no, know. It's... Like you wanted to be here, presumably for an instance like this, where you could help out one of your friends in a life or death struggle. Uh-huh. There was I. She's just sitting there watching. Right. No, it's pretty uh, ridiculous. Anyway, Alicia finally gets pinned to a wall by a spike and torn apart by zombies just as her crew arrives. Uh, and Carol does a poor job of fighting through the tears and pretending to be Alicia. Tells him to meet us on the kill floor. Yep. I really like this, this zombie kill. I think zombie kill of the week again goes to the zombies. Okay. Because, uh, man, being stuck, being pinned right in front of a zombie... Sure. While it's chewing your face off is pretty bad. Yeah, Sam. It's, it's worse than Sam because Sam gets bit in the head and then he gets swarmed. <laughs> sure. And torn, torn apart. But she's going to be there a while getting chewed on, I think. And they, as, as they cut away, you can hear her kind of making gurgly noise. Like, she's dying yeah. pretty hard. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's a good one. I like it. For sure. It. Uh, so then there is a, t- there's a little brief scene of Carol and Maggie talking about her trouble of killing people of late. Uh, but Maggie says, hey, we're almost done, and they lure the saviors that are coming in yeah. to the killing floor, lock them in, and then set them on fire. <laughs> on the kill floor. Beautiful. This is pretty, like, setting, I, I guess setting people on fire is just horrific. Right. Uh, whether it's in Oz, whether it's in the final season of Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. people getting set on fire alive and screaming is a bad scene, and that's what happens. Pretty horrific. Yeah, it was good. I liked it. Uh, the dynamic duo fight their way through the front door while Rick and Glenn and Daryl meet them. I like the interaction between Daryl with, you know, Daryl's like, Hey, are you, are you good? And Carol's like, no. And she starts to lose her shit and he hugs her. Yeah. Is the Carol Daryl ship back sailing? No, 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 this is a, this is just a comforting, friendly hug. This is not, there's nothing, nothing sexual going on here. I'm not saying that. Well, I mean, it's implied with shipping. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you know, non-sexual hugging can lead to... But that's not I... really a ship. That's <laughs> that's just the same well, boat. Well, Daryl's not really sexual either, so... <laughs> right, they're just in the here? same boat. We're not shipping them, they're we're just the putting same... them in the same yeah, boat. Yeah, it's, it's, that's that, it's that kind of ship. Right, they're sitting on opposite it's sides. It's a good ship lollipop. It's, it's nothing <laughs> about the bone... It's not a bone train, it's a lollipop ship. Right. Uh, we're saying Carol's going to lick Daryl's lollipop. Is it where it's what? Oh, I brought it back around. Okay, <laughs> forget I said that. Uh, so D- Rick tries to interrogate the remaining. Uh, what was it? A primo. Yep. Remaining uh, savior, and he says, "Your friends are dead. No one's coming for you." Was Negan in this building? Was he there last night? Uh, and Who? he goes, "I'm Neg Negan." Did I say Negan? Yeah. I'm K N E E G A N. I'm Negan shithead. And he tries to open negotiations with Rick because he assumes that's like, you know, take me to your leader. Nope. Rick just wants a positive identification so he can shoot him in the head. Yep. If there's not a scene immediately next week where Carol and Maggie try to tell Rick that they're all saying they're Negan, I'm going to be very disappointed. What if they just never show it? Because they all saw this happen. Uh Uh-huh. what do you what to say that what what if, what if they just never show it and they imply it later that's fine okay that's fine but i'm saying these people have vital piece of information that's very yeah. pertinent to what's happening right now that they're all present to witness if they don't say something about it it's going to bum me out but i i don't think that's possible right especially considering their mission was to go wipe out negan right yes like now carol and maggie kind of know that they didn't or or they at least know that 
if there's more people, one of them might be Negan because everybody seems to want to be Negan. Do you think that the hilltop? The, do you think the hilltop knows? Do you think Negan is a real person? What if Gregory is Negan? <laughs> He's actually a mind set up fuck? For something where he like has this. Uh, 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 he gets half of everything that and no one knows. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's tough to keep this place clean. And then he shorts himself just to fuck with people. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely a he jackass. He's got a stash in the woods. I don't think he's that smart. No, I don't think if so. If he is, that's pretty brilliant. Do you, so do you think Negan is a real flesh and blood, per, flesh I, and blood person? I think so. Do you think, think the so. hilltop knows who he is? Um, maybe not. Maybe not. Hmm. But I, here's the thing. Like, there's no way Rick can go back and say, I killed Negan, right? Mm-hmm. Because... Carol and Maggie know that this guy's name is Primo. Right. He's not Negan, for sure. Yep. And these guys all claim to be Negan. So, like, Negan's more of a League of Shadows concept. Like, from, you know, it's more of a, an image or an idea than it is a man. I don't, I don't know if I buy that. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I buy it as fact. I do think it's kind of a cool idea, though. Okay. For, for multiple reasons. Uh, that's it for the episode. Hey, it's time for me to tell you about the club. You can find all about it at club.baldmove.com. Do you like Telltale's Walking Dead games? If you're a Walking Dead fan and you're a video game fan, chances are you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim and I did a playthrough of the, the first episode of Michonne. We're going to be doing all of them on the club. It's exclusive to that. Uh, I think it's I think it's worth a buck or two. Yeah, it's pretty funny, if, if for the Norma jokes alone. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, we, again, legit cried laughing at that particular scene. Uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty good stuff. Uh, there's a lot of other things. Ad-free feed, so you don't have to alert, uh, uh, hear me fumble through these ads ever again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, there's VIP sections of the forums. There's bonus content, like extra podcasts, where we just talk about whatever, man. We talked about... Uh, the the universe got universal on lunch today, Ron. That's right. Uh, we also got down to some team fighting championship. We did, which is a lot lamer than it sounds. It, yeah, and every <laughs> once in a while, Jim will do a mukbang. It's, a, it's look it up if you want to know what that's about. Uh, it, it's it's all good stuff. Club.baldmove.com. We'd love to have you support us. It's a great way to get a little bit of extra content and and support independent podcasting. Yeah, I'd be presuming too much. Assume we have some uh, feedback. That's not a bad presumption to make. Uh, are we ready to get to it? I think so. Okay. If the keyboard will cooperate. Ah, now I get to lay back, kick my feet up. Hard part's done for me. First email. Uh, we're we're going to do a little bit of last week emails because, you know, love with it. the accelerated Monday schedule, we get a lot of those. I love it. So Devin from Maine, uh, talking about Glenn maybe... Willing to kill, but unable to kill. Oh. They, they made a big deal about Glenn killing his first human uh, last episode, so let's talk about it. Why don't the characters talk more about their experiences? If I had escaped from Cannibal City or single-handedly destroyed a tank, I would talk about it with other survivors. Daryl saying, we've done more with less, or Glenn saying, I've been lucky, seem like understatements. <laughs> he wants to know our thoughts on that, and then he has the quick addendum, which is the Glenn stuff. I would also assert that Glenn has not been unwilling to kill, just unable to. While trying to escape, he attacked Merle with a femur, but was bested by Merle's knife hand. And during the governor's assault on the prison and welcome to the tombs, he emptied an entire clip at the Woodbury assault force and hit none of them. That's oh, an interesting... Wood, Woodbury area Glenn would for sure be ready to kill after his experience with him and Maggie. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and that's a that's a pretty... 
good point to make. I mean, it's not that Glenn hasn't tried to uh-huh. kill people. He's asking, he, he's pretending like, oh, I was lucky I haven't had to kill anybody yet. Yeah. And I guess there's a distinction to be made between, you know, hindsight being, man, I'm glad I haven't had to kill anyone yet. Sure. All right. I'm glad I've been lucky enough not to have killed uh, versus like, would he kill in the But it's past. almost like, yeah, he, the way he phrased it, it's like, I've never been confronted with the idea of killing someone. And I don't know if I can do it. You yeah. have. And right. in that moment, you absolutely would have killed someone if you could have. So yeah. I it's almost like, like he's been unlucky and that his bullets didn't hit anything. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you like went to shoot someone and the gun misfired. Yeah, that's not you. Yeah, you not now know that you're someone. capable of killing someone. You just failed to. Yeah. So I, I think that's a, a good point. Uh, what do you think about these these characters not talking about their experiences? What like, do you mean? I, I guess I'm. What is he? Uh, just this idea that you know Maggie doesn't talk about uh, having stabbed what's his face through the neck when when they escaped from Woodbury mm-hmm. and like all these things that kind of shaped them I guess they don't talk about them but are with the... other with other survivors I'm trying to think of when it would make appropriate sense to do so because if if like if Daryl goes to I mean yeah you're right I mean like if Daryl's talking to Rick and it's like we've been through worse he could just, he could have thrown in it for we we fought a f- tank once for Christ's sakes uh-huh. That actually, I I think that'd be a better that's that's better dialogue, honestly. Yeah, uh, more specific dialogue is always better. That's something that you know uh, people do. People share common experiences, even if they've heard it for a million times, and it would show that they're aware of their past history. Where they're just say, "Well, we've been through worse." That's a generic statement. Mm-hmm. So I guess I could go, but it's it's not in my top ten things that I don't like about The Walking Dead. So. Sure, I'm with you. Not a huge problem for me either. Uh, Joe M says, TV, TV Professor Joe here. A couple weeks back, you guys were mentioning how The Walking Dead has been doing promos that run the following night during Better Call Saul that say, here's everything that happened last night on The Walking Dead That's that you worth missed. knowing, yeah. So fuck you and your DVR. Watch it live from now on. Uh, I wanted to clarify some of the logic behind this. Walking Dead obviously gets the majority of the revenue from the advertisers and that advertise on their program. For that to work, you need people to actually watch the commercials. Nielsen ratings are the currency. The ratings that are quoted in the press are the average viewership for the whole uh, for the show as a whole. However, the advertisers pay their bills based on something called a C3 rating. C for how many people watch the commercials and 3 for within 3 days of the show airing. Uh, so you may be asking yourself who the hell would watch commercials if you're watching this on DVR. Fair uh, question. On demand, on demand folks have on to watch demand, commercials. Yep. You can't skip them. No. Period. Jeez. In fact, here's the dumb thing about on demand. Uh, you can rewind, you can pause, you can't fast forward even in the con, like sometimes something will fuck up and I'll be halfway through the episode and it stops Mm -hmm. and I can't fast forward to get to where I would left off. Oh my God. That's That's a bug in the system, but like I, I, I like the, the Hulu model where you can fast forward, but then when you get to the commercial break points, you have to watch a commercial. Right, like if you blast if you blast through three fourths of the episode, you can go through all those commercials. But the first, whenever you hit play, you have to watch a commercial to proceed. That's fine. This thing where like I can't fast forward through shit I've already seen, they need to fix that with on demand. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, get on a Time Warner. Uh, he he essentially he says the same thing here. On demand disables fast forwarding for those that know, don't know the workaround. Uh, any that's says, an anathema to you, I can tell. Yeah, fuck like, fuck that. <laughs> Uh, back to the Monday promo. They are willing to risk a spoil to the people that haven't seen the show by then in order to get them to either watch it live or at least watch it within 24 hours to ensure that they get as many viewers in that three-day window as possible. 
Obviously, watching live is preferred because then you know that the people watching are watching the commercials. This will piss some people off, but it gets a bunch to start watching it live. It accomplishes its goal. I found the Walking Dead spoilers are like Game of Thrones spoilers, and the only true way to avoid them is to watch live or as close to live as possible. That's true. That's the currency of a water cooler television show. Like if you if you're a big spoiler phobe, the yeah. only way to avoid it is to either stay off the internet till you've seen it or watch it as soon as you can. Right, and they're kind of playing into that to get people to. I get what he's saying is get people to watch those commercials sure. on the live viewing because you can't fast forward. Yeah. So I guess that makes a certain amount of sense from the money perspective. Uh, it just kind of sucks that it pisses off a lot of fans. <laughs> Well, for good reason. Yeah, and I don't know what the if you have to. Man, it just seems like you're really pissing off fans. And if I, I guess if I was a fan and they kept doing that to me, I'd be like, well, fuck you and your show. Like it would drive me away right. rather than make. And me... like you got to imagine that the, the they also make a shitload of money off of their uh, what is it called merchandising? Yeah, stuff like that. The ancillary things around the show, which if you piss off enough fans to stop watching your show. Where does the line get drawn between we're pissing off enough people that they'll watch it live versus pissing off enough people that they'll stop I'm buying I'm sure they've shit. done the numbers because I, right. I imagine the number of fans that don't watch it live and watch it on DVR that are also watching live Better Call Saul. And get pissed when they see spoilers. That's a, that's a very thin slice of two overlapping Venn diagrams, right. man. Because like, right. if you're watching your favorite shows on DVR, you're not watching anything live. Yeah, that's true. I mean, many times when I'm watching live television, I'll pause it for 15 minutes, go do something else productive, and come back just so I can zap through the commercials. Yeah. Uh, All right, Bill from Houston. Some questions about this week's episode. Uh, I think he's talking about last week's episode. Why create a rush to complete this mission? For now, give the saviors the head of a fake Gregory in exchange for Craig, which uh, Rick's group do uh, some recon during the exchange. Then they'll be able to attack with adequate preparation. Yeah, that's... Uh, he also says, why, oh God, why are they not assuming there may be more saviors that are out on missions during the night they attack? You know, that might come back and, I don't know, capture Carol and Maggie. Yeah, the real the real smart way to do that is to set up a perimeter around the savior complex and pick these guys off as they come to investigate. Like, we haven't heard from Outpost, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like, but they yeah. are naively assuming that they got them all, even though they thought they got them all, and then a guy ran out with a motorcycle, and then it turns out he had a whole bunch of group, and then yeah. there even more came. Like, if, if Rick and company walk away thinking they've got them all, they're idiots. Yeah, I agree. Which we know they have been stupid a time or two before. Also, what if the mission completely failed? Bringing 15 or so people out gives a much higher chance that at least one will get caught, tortured, Give up the location of Alexandria, which has only Morgan, Carl, and Eugene's T-shirt to defend it. Not a good strategic decision. Yeah, I mean, Rick's never been making the best strategic decisions. But Can I say? Wait that? a second. His argument is to bring less people on this commando raid. I guess uh, this isn't right. This is there, an there's all there's in no thing, man. I think the better part of his argument is get to know a little bit more about them before you attack. There's really no rush. I mean, well, when is the next I... delivery for the Hilltop people? Here's the thing. Uh, there, there's no rush. How do they know? Because as we Fate know... Fake Gregory head works regardless, right? They can scout. There's no rush to do but the But what attack. if Negan's group finds them tomorrow? That was what Rick's whole argument okay. is. The longer yeah. we wait, the more likely these people, and we've got the advantage, let's press for advantage. I find it hard... But like, they if, can gain more of an advantage by giving it another day or two. Take that 
Take that risk. That's a risk. That's a risk. That but they it's didn't a calculated risk that I think pays you know, off for them. If he had a like a company, if he had like a hundred guys, I can, I would say that it's smarter to you know send a cat scratting. But the crew point is, a, they didn't know he might have a hundred guys. They don't know. But I'm saying all Rick had is the fifth, twelve people or so. So you send, you don't have enough to send half, and you don't want to wait for a couple of days. I, oh, if Rick had a hundred, gotcha. yeah. If Rick had a hundred, then yeah, sure. Send a scouting party and send a raid party. If it's if it's, if it's sparsely defended, then crush them if it's if you need more then come but but they don't so to me this is a much more marginal call this is the least controversial thing rick has done in his capacity for as a leader i think right and that's why i'm saying rick's decisions and plans don't always make the best strategic sense sure but he often has to like like the initiative is a is a real thing in warfare especially in in like this kind of fog of darkness warfare where you don't know anything about the other team right uh sherry in eureka montana i guess there's a eureka montana says regarding carol and tobin hookup uh tobin's being very kind to carol calling out her inner strength and leadership and the fact that he cares about her. And maybe it's because it's nighttime. Maybe it's because she's feeling a little sentimental, given that her kill list. Maybe because the moon's in the sky like a big pizza pie. Maybe. Uh, if Dino has anything to say about it. And or maybe it's because it's the apocalypse and tomorrow we might all be dead. I can very easily see how a slight attraction to someone the right age who's saying meaningful things at the right time might lead to a way more than it should in today's world. I had some discussions with a variety of people about this topic, and I'm uh-huh. like, I guess my problem is I'm looking at this from a millennial perspective and that, like, I don't know why Carol is a, putting on the appearance of seriousness with this guy. This should just be a hookup. Huh. Whereas, okay. like, if she's looking at it from, like, my dad's generation, this hookup stuff scares the shit. They, like, this don't. Like even when they're hooking up, they just, they don't want to call it a hookup like that because that would trivialize the thing that they're right. doing. So, mm-hmm. you know, Carol's right there. You know, she's she's older than me, mm-hmm. but not significantly so. So I could see that like that's and you yeah. know maybe she got married out of high school to her high school abuser and she's <laughs> yeah. never known any other. Like there's a lot of reasons why this could happen. I don't like it anymore, but yeah, it's I'd... less offensive on the face of it than. Okay, uh, let, let me read the next one, okay. uh, because it also deals with Carol and Tobin. Uh, right. Keds, which I think is a brand of shoes, says, Even though I don't like Tobin because he's as useless as the drywall prison, there was a scene <laughs> with him and Carol when they first made it to Alexandria. It was a scene where Carol left the window open in order to get into the armory and steal the guns. Tobin introduced himself and was immediately hitting on her by offering to teach her how to shoot. She seemed uninterested, and I feel like she still isn't really interested because he would just be another person to worry about that can't take care of himself. That being said, she is a woman, and she has needs, so I was okay with her scratching an itch with him. I didn't feel like that's what it was. They made it feel like it was more than that. Yep. Uh, but he says, I doubt it will be anything other than that. If she had made it clear, like, this is all this is. Right. And something can come from that, but... Yeah, in fact, I thought I remember that sequence of the you know her being the housewife and then being the strong guys showing her how to shoot, uh-huh. and I remember her thinking this is patronizing and annoying. Um, and she was also playing the you know fake Carol, the but, you not know, badass at, Carol. You know, as a con- you also got the uh, Hansel and Princess Leia. She found his behavior highly patronizing and insulting, and yet they fell in love. Right. Now Tobin's no fucking Han Solo. Fuck no. Why they're upgrading the drywall prison? Maybe Morgan can weld him a spine. 
uh, so Carol can 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 respect him. I don't know. You can't weld charisma and charm, and he's got none of that either. So I don't know what to tell. Maybe him. if Reg was still alive, he'd work some some magic with the cold rolled backbone. But right. he's probably fucked. Yeah. Steven says I went to Walker's Talker Con this past weekend in Dallas. Got to meet Michael Kudlitz and get an autograph. I didn't realize that every stop the con makes, they have a food drive for a local shelter. When I walked up to his booth, I saw on either side of the table, uh, there were pallets of Bizquick, and <laughs> at the top of the table now, uh, was covered in boxes and bottles of Bizquick. Now, is that, I think that's, I understand that's a Michael Cudlitz thing. That's not necessarily a Walker Stalker thing. Is that right? I, because I, I saw a similar thread from on Reddit. Uh-huh. In fact, the verbiage is so much that I wonder if this guy wrote in and did, because why not? might be both. Yeah. Uh, but I got the impression that that was a, something that the actor himself did, because he was involved in, not something that the Walker Stalker people did. Okay. Whoever's Either behind way, it. way, I think it's cool. Yeah, yeah, great. Sure, sure. And, and I, if it was the Walker Stalker guys, I would have been like, oh, man, that's cool. They go around to these cities and they do something good for the community there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, if it's just Michael doing it, good on him. Yeah. Either way. Uh, Tyler says, I can't help but wonder how easy it is to actually stick a knife through the skull of a living person. <laughs> Tyler, you have dark thoughts. I can justify the zombie killing done this way because of the decaying body and all, but the skull of a healthy human that showed little to no effort pushing a blade through bone. Help me understand this, please. I think you are making the classic Walking Dead mistake. Thinking. Mm. I don't think you should think th- so hard about this show. I've stopped thinking that hard about it. I think everyone would do well to do, to follow my lead. I mean, you, it's it's a knife. It's designed to 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 penetrate. Right, but I find it hard to believe that you could just hold the knife against someone's skull and press and have it go through. We, I, I think you would go have to, to get a momentum. butcher shop and stab some pig heads. All right, because I bet. I mean, I've I've never done it myself. Yeah, but I bet it's pretty easy. Like I bet you could. I can't imagine it would. Be I bet easy. you can grab. You can just with just steady pressure push a sharp knife through a, a, a pig skull. Okay, I, my instinct says that's not right, but maybe it is. I, I really don't know anything about it. So, uh, yeah. All right. Well, l- next lunch with Jim and Aaron, we get a pig head. We bring it in the <laughs> studio. And we start stabbing. You can. They're not that hard. There's no one wants a pig head. Like my granddad, and then used we make to, head that's cheese. That's how I used. To, yeah, see how I used to make. I was gonna say that's how I used to make head mush. He'd boil yeah. a fucking pig's head for a horrifically long time and make a god awful smell. <laughs> but the end result was delicious. So, huh? I've never had head cheese. It's it's yeah. I don't know if it, this they call it a head mush. I don't know if that's a German regional thing, but it was good. It hmm. was like a uh, getta. Have you ever had getta? No. Reminds me a lot of getta, hmm. which is a similar kind of meal, kind of breakfast food. The singer. No, yeah, David Guetta. Have you heard David Guetta? Right, he's amazing. <laughs> Christine says, in your last podcast, you were talking about why Carol has convinced the others not to uh, say anything about Morgan and the wolf dude, and she mentions Denise, and you guys said Denise didn't do anything wrong. I'm not so sure that I agree, and that Rick and company would agree with uh, either. She snuck off with Morgan in secret to give medical attention to someone who attacked our group and who could be dangerous, thereby putting herself, the only doctor, at risk. So that's why I think Carol was talking about. Uh, yeah. I suppose so. All she got to do, because the group knows Denise and kind of how she rolls. All she's got to do is like Hippocratic Oath, bitch. Right. What are they going to do? Execute her? No, she's the only thing that they got that resembling a medic. Right. She how has, much trouble is she really going to get That's what I'm saying. Like, let's define trouble. Like, stink eye? A strong talking to? <laughs> Put you in the drywall prison and only bring you out when 
we need doctrine. She's going to be like Brad Pitt in Glorious Bastards. Ah, I might get my ass chewed, but I've had my ass chewed before, so I'm right. still going to patch up any wolf I see. I, I, I don't know. Like I, again, how much trouble are we talking about? It's Denise, for God's sakes. Are you ready to talk about grow ops? Uh, sure. That's my favorite. Bla- that's my favorite modern warfare. <laughs> modern warfare grow ops. It's a bunch of DEA guys and helicopters with FLIR and. <laughs> kicking uh, a bunch of tubby dudes holding Doritos and shooting their dogs <laughs> flashbagging their baby cribs God. that's horrible uh, uh, Anthony J 1997 I guess it's a username doesn't sound like a real name Okay. while you guys are correct that an indoor marijuana grow operation would take up a lot of energy cultivating medical grade cannabis isn't as easy as just throwing some seeds outside it's not also, growing outdoors takes a lot of time. Planting in the summer, harvesting in the fall. Growing indoors allows for multiple harvests. Glad to hear about the medicinal benefits of cannabis on your podcast. Hopefully, we can legalize it across the nation. I'm writing from Oregon, where I helped lead the legalization effort here. So I'm not a grower myself, but I'm certainly familiar with the practice, both indoor, which is especially prevalent in the Portland area, and outdoor cultivation, more prevalent in southern Oregon. Mm. So sounds like a, uh, as close to an expert as we'll get admitting that they grow weed or well he's he said he doesn't grow weed he just helps with the legalization effort i'm from ohio where we're more against oligarchies than we are like locking people up for smoking herbs so our 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 legalization got got exploded take your pick one's bad the other's bad what are you gonna do well i i have the lessers of two evils in my in my mind but certainly uh two-thirds of ohioans disagreed (laughs) apparently so Josh says, I have a small beef with how you guys took Morgan's comment to Rick about why they don't just go talk with the saviors. I took that as Morgan slightly chiding Rick on his we will win mentality. Rick basically said, it'll get ugly, but we have to do it and we will win. Morgan was effectively saying, if it's as easy as that, then just Mm. telling them that would be enough, which I think he actually says out loud, right? Yes. Why don't we just tell them that? That yes. should be enough? Yes. Uh, if we are that superior, they will find it in their best interest to just stand down. That's the problem. The, the, pro- the problem... Okay, and let me let me finish this email. Yep. There are plenty of countries who have been held in check with just the threat of violence from a country with a superior fighting force. It's not like Morgan's comments were that off base, but I agree the endless organizing is too much. Uh, and that's the problem, is they don't have that information. They don't know if exactly. there's the superior force... And by going to talk with them, they might be giving up their only advantage. Yeah. And that's a chance that they shouldn't be willing to take, in my opinion. Yeah. And you're free to disagree. No, I mean, it's like, you know, the famous thing where was a Philip of Macedonia came to the king of Sparta and say, if I come to your country, I will burn your crops and kill your children and enslave your women. And the king of Sparta sent back, if... You can get away with that if you've got the Battle of Thermopylae and a whole bunch of crazy warrior cult stuff going on. If you're just yeah. Rick from Alexandria, you'll probably get your ass kicked in because mm-hmm. the threat of violence isn't going to work. Rick's not world famous. His band is not, you know, you'd have to take and say, hey, come in, tour our armory and see how many people we got and ignore Eugene. He's kind of an idiot. Like, it only works if you're super famous for being badasses. And, and Rick's if you not. actually have some sort of superiority in numbers, like. Sure. Now, it'd be cool, like, later on in, in show lore, if, like, the legend of Rick and Alexander grows, it would be interesting to see how that kind of, like, gunboat diplomacy would go down. But mm-hmm. it's, I don't think it would work. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think so either. But I do, you know, it's it's fair point for Morgan to be like, if you think it's going to be that easy, 
Like, you know, why, why do you think it's going to be that? Do you think no one, who, how many people do you think are going to die? Like put a number on it. Right. And that's why I think I said last episode, I don't have a problem with Morgan standing up and saying what he believes. Yeah. I wish that they, he'd have been smarter about it. Like if the writers had had him say, how easy is it going to be? Rick's like, well, how many people are yeah. going to die? How many of our people are going to die? Right. How how do you know we'll win? <laughs> yeah. Like, how many people do they have? Where are they? Yeah. Uh, what what kind of weapons do they have? Like just so like everyone's un- like everyone should be have like man I don't think Rick has a lot of that information. He's going off a lot of gut and yeah. But make Rick admit to that so yep. people can go into the decision with their eyes open. Right, and then afterward you can you can kind of say look. Uh, this didn't work out because we were ill-prepared and we didn't consider other options. Maybe he'd have a point after that Yeah, if it didn't work out. Uh, anyway, Michelle from California says about this episode, and she's talking about this week. I can see how some people might think this episode was dialogue-heavy and mostly filler, but I found it to be an interesting exploration of the commonalities between both sides of a war, as much as they want to deny it and even say as much. Uh, Alicia Witt and Carol shared comp. See, even the people writing in aren't using character names. I, could, I was going to, but they died. As soon as they all died at the end of the episode, I'm like, nope, this is going to be Alicia Witt and Lunger and Stepdad. Yep. So Alicia Witt and Carol shared common ground that they both had a man who abused them, both lost daughters, and they both uh, killed double digit numbers of people. The woman keeping watch over Maggie had also lost her father. These are women who are all. And a baby. And, and a baby? Yeah. Uh, these are women who are all hurting in similar ways without wanting to admit it, and uh, as much as recognizing it would only serve to make them twice as strong, they are in the same boat. Uh, then there's some comment about Patty from Leftovers and no one will get. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. That's This is a fairly apt name for an episode. This is a well-named episode. And that was the intriguing part. Um, yeah. It just feels like this was an episode crying out for rick and company to have something interesting to do and to cut to them because it was it's a fine interesting episode it felt like it could have certainly carried the a plot it needed a b plot you think tracking them might have been enough that could have been something like you get to show like you know how they're actually tracking them and finding them and like conversations and having glenn show some emotion about like we didn't get to see any of that we got to see the resolution of it like, yeah. just take 10 minutes off the, the pressure of the main plot. Right. Um, the the waiting. Yeah. The waiting game that was yeah. the main plot. Because it's, it's, it's a strong plot, and I'm glad they kept the one episode, but it, it could have used a little bit of cutting back to our other group to build tension. Yeah, I agree. Mark from Cold Frozen Milsucky, as he puts <laughs> it. Uh, I hate to say it for the fear of the jinx, but the show has moved to a new level. I just don't trust it. Like, I'm waiting for something stupid. That shot of Carol uh, clutching the rosary with the blood dripping, sick. Sick shot. Mm-hmm. New level, not trusted. It, I, okay, so I didn't like this as apparently as much as Mark did. But I wouldn't say it was bad. I don't think it was a bad episode. Uh, but I don't know if I trust the show. Like him, I don't know if I trust the show to have moved to a new level. I think it's gotten lucky, like Glenn. And it has not had to kill any episodes this this season, except for maybe the first one. You know, the thing is, is like if this was any other show, like if this was a Better Call Saul, if this was a Breaking Bad, if this was a Leftovers, we would have said when this episode aired, well, you know, all the great shows, you know, take every, every once in a while, take take their breath and step back and 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 take a break from the action and set up the next thing, the right. next conflict, the next whatever, and that's what they're doing, and we enjoy it for what it is. But The Walking Dead has got us all. 
you know, uh, we're always tensing for the punch. So we're not inclined to give it that same kind of slack. Because I think if you saw this as just a run-of-the-mill, take a breather, we just had insane action, we got to have a resolution to it, it's fine. No, but I don't think the clunky pieces would have been there in a better written show. I don't think the stagnation would have felt like stagnation. I think it would have felt like like a, taking a breath, not just sitting there. Hmm. Like that's the thing about Breaking Bad when it always when it pulls back and you're in the the White House. I'm having a hard for, time putting my finger on exactly what's the difference, though. I think I think it's just problems with repetition of the same thing over and over again. It's uh, slowing it down in a way that doesn't quite well like a show feel... a sh- if, if 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 the walking dead is executing on like on those shows levels you could get away with just a 30 60 second shot of carol breathing or sharpening a rosary or so many right. different things because it's just like really absorbing and, and and fun to watch i don't know exactly why this show can't get away with that either but i mean you wouldn't have walt saying what he's gonna do five times in six scenes yeah like you just you don't have that. You have yeah. an interesting scene like questioning, oh, what is he thinking? Why is he doing what he's doing? Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. at the end of the scene, you get it, and they don't keep harping on it yeah. like The Walking Dead does. And I feel like that's where it falls down. Yeah, and then also it's like this this, 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 this Alicia performance would not exist in a better show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm actually surprised they got Stepdad and her for a one-shot episode. Okay, I don't know who that guy is, so I don't give a. I've fuck. seen him and in a bunch of different. He's a nobody stuff. to most, me. Most he's, he's like you know a co-star in, in Banshee, which is a fairly big show, I guess. But you know, Alicia Witt is fairly famous. Yeah, she's had a full season arc in Justified. I was surprised that she didn't stick around longer. Yeah, I think we both were. Yeah, no, I was I was strapped in for her to be a character throughout the rest of the season, maybe not long term. Yeah, I don't think she corresponds to any. You know, this is again another holy thing, holy made up for the show kind of phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't have like inside information about her being a particular character, but just for her from her statue stature. Anyway, rest of the season is a flashback. It's and just, Alicia Witt. We go back to her secretary days, watch her <laughs> boiling coffee. She has to deal with some Tobin alike. Yep, constantly hitting on her. Yep, she's, she's not she's, interested. She's pinning up shit on her cubicle board for her motivation. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, moving on. Singleton says, uh, and this might be a little spoilery, so I apologize. And if you say that it is, I will take it out. I don't totally get the exact meaning of the reference here. Oh shit. But they seem to think it was funny. I got my, I got my, my, my finger on the five second delay button. <laughs> uh, this Singleton saw it on Reddit and had to had to include it. Okay, hilarious and accurate. He or she says she, I think. Uh, Negan, the Dread Pirate Roberts of the Zombie Apocalypse. Okay, is that is that spoilery for The Walking Dead? I don't get it. Do so you get it? I get. I'm, I'm not. So I she's saying I might take this that out the I'm bullshit, Negan. But... Is it kind of like she's going at the angle of? Uh, you know, it's more the idea that spawn that inspires the necessary dread. So several people okay. are being taken on in their apprentice Negan's. Like Negan's a franchise opportunity, almost it's like being handed down to the next. Sure, person. sure. Yeah. I think that's Primo was Negan for now, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to take on an All underling, right. and gotcha. Okay, so not spoilery. No, no. It's 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 a Princess Bride spoiler, if anything. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, but it's just a really lame one because the second the Dread Pirate Robert shows up, you know he's Wesley. Yeah, 
<laughs> oh, come on now. Jackie says, I'm torn. On the one hand, I'm kind of thrilled that we had a full hour of this show that so easily passes the Bechdel test. The uh, male characters sidelined or in peripheral roles. Mm. I, re- I really like Carol and Maggie, and I was so happy to see them save themselves from their damsels in distress predicament. And the acting this- in this was mostly pretty great, John aside. However, I have to admit, it sort of dragged, didn't it? I wanted to like it better, and it wasn't terrible, but there were all those repetitive threats from the captors and the monologuing, and I don't know what was going on with Carol's big act exactly, other than being confusing. I'm not sure what effect she was trying for. Well, maybe next time. Yeah, that kind of sums up how I feel. It's... Well, the other thing, I didn't say anything about it, uh, although I was thinking it, um, but since he brought up the topic, is it... He? I don't think Jackie's going to like that. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> they, he or she, she uh, she brought up the fact that like this is kind of like, uh, you know, passing the Bechtel test. The other problem with it is I think it's an, it's a problem to have the softer side of the saviors represented by a largely female band. In fact, the belligerent male is the one that has to be kind of restrained and eventually killed so that that vibe, mm-hmm. like, guys can't, I mean, that's that's the, 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 the where sexism cuts both ways. Like, men are the mindless, like, if, if, if the post-apocalyptic world is run by women, there wouldn't be any band of savages. I don't believe that. Sure, sure. So, I don't know, it's a little, that's more of a men's lib thing than a women's lib, but... <laughs> I did think it was a little bit interesting that they're that's kind of sexist to say that you get all the women saviors to themselves and they're going to be soft. They're not going to be able to do the the stuff that needs to be done. Right, right. Anyway. Uh, There's also a line from Alicia Witt who's like, uh, men can't handle pain. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with. Ask ask a Marine if men can handle pain. It's dumb. It's dumb. Yeah. All sexism is dumb. It's, it is. That's yeah. what people don't it's realize. It's real dumb. Like, Generalizing to an entire sex is a silly thing to sure. do. Sure, yeah. Uh, regardless of, of where you're coming from. <laughs> Kevin from California says, Guys, did we slip into some alternate universe where every episode is tense and action-packed and violent and awesome? What the fuck are they doing? Do we have to pay for this with an equal number of boring-as-shit episodes later? That's been the case, but I yeah. have high hopes that the deferment of construction costs to large-standing outdoor sets is going to be the the savior. Right. Because latex and fake blood is cheap. Yes, it is. Uh, I don't know. I, I included all sorts of opinions on this episode because I feel like it was an either-or. Yeah, no. Like you can kind of go either way on it. Uh, I wouldn't say divisive because I don't think anybody hated it. No. But, uh-huh. but it's certainly w- what how much slack you're willing to cut The Walking Dead for the, an episode like this probably says a lot more about your relationship with the show than it does about the show itself. Yeah. Isaac says, normally I write in with a more well-thought-out email, but I'm just finishing this episode, and I'm like, who the fuck is this Carol, and when did she get here? What the fuck was that? All of a sudden, she's, dare I say, hesitant to kill people? Since when? Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. So, like I said earlier, I think ever since the switch in tone that she's had, they've rolled that out pretty successfully. What I don't un- quite understand is they didn't sell me on why she would switch her mind, change change her mind so uh drastically well also there's like a there was no drift between the changing of the mentality and the changing of actions like maybe she is starting to have second thoughts about the necessity of killing but when you have to kill to protect maggie uh who you just last episode went through a shit fit about that she put herself in this position anyway that doesn't seem like the carol that i that carol might feel bad about it afterwards and be regretful and worried like publicly i'm losing my mind here but to not take action and and you're in good company if you're saying bullshit because alan seppenwall 
mm-hmm. hated that aspect of it. And he said, I don't think it's accurate to say it came totally out of nowhere, but right. I suspect he's watching most of these background on a DVD screener while he's writing an article on a better show. So, <laughs> but I, I get what he's saying because... I think the mentality is fine, but the lo- the the way she's doing her actions, I just not that's what like you know you've changed your mind on some pretty big things. Like it takes a while. There's a l- inertia to the habits and and your patterns of life. You can't just like yeah whoop throw a switch and be on the other track. And I feel like they're doing a fine job with showing the psychology changing. But bottom line is Maggie's in danger. And you got to take action to save your, your... I think she would do that. Especially since she just fucking got done giving... I'm talking about the when she misstepped dad. She just got done giving that speech. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. That's weird. And, and Maggie's sitting there like a dead fish while Carol's about to die. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all either. Okay. I, I do want to talk a little bit about Maggie here because it looks like they're using Maggie to kind of make a counterpoint to Carol here. Um, or maybe they're trying to use Carol to show how far gone Maggie is at this point. But Maggie is very okay with killing. Maggie's just like, yeah, kill them all. Uh, let's this do is this my thing. idea, yeah. Right. She's she's feeling pretty hard right now, whereas Carol's kind of going in the opposite direction. Uh, did you did you think at all about that? Like, is is that something they're doing on purpose to show that maybe everyone around Carol is also where Carol was half a season ago? Maybe. I... It's weird because when I was watching Maggie listen to Carol Kvetch about her newfound problem with killing, I thought it was interesting because the look on Maggie's face is how I look as a viewer whenever I hear Morgan, you know, she's like, like, kind of like you got her jaw gritted and she can't believe what she's hearing and kind of disappointed Mm -hmm. in her. But I I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. But. Again, I I think we've seen Rick especially pendulum back and forth between Madman and Farmer that I lose patience for him swinging back as violently. Like, I'm fine with a couple more swings, but he needs to come to kind of like the centrist where he needs to be as a post-apocalyptic leader. Mm-hmm. Carol may be the same. I don't know. Okay. Daniel E. says, when you take Carol hostage, she's really taking you hostage. Hashtag Carol facts. Uh <laughs> Pretty much. It's like yep. a Warshack thing. Mm-hmm. Locked in here with Carol. Uh, Beverly B. says, I saw some internet chatter about Maggie not being maternal and wanted to express my outrage at that. Being maternal, what? <laughs> apparently people on the internet are saying that. I don't know. Not being maternal. Yeah. And she, she goes on to explain, being maternal means many things, including doing what has to be done. For suburban mothers like me, that means catching vomit in your hands, <laughs> confronting the parent of a bully, or using a rectal thermometer when the doc says you must. In the zombie apocalypse, it means killing the people who kidnapped you. She was maternal. But Carol, I like the way you weren't sure at times of how much of her fear slash angst was an act, but having her fail to shoot the redhead at the end was cop-out on the nice line. Agreed. When she said she had feared this, it should have ended with her doing what had to be done, not wavering. Well, yeah. so I don't... I. I don't know if people argued that she wasn't maternal this week. I feel like you can make the argument she wasn't maternal when she decided to come on the mission in the first place. Yeah, okay. I could see that argument. Because um, that's certainly not thinking of the, the child. Sure. It's like if, uh, you know, would a pregnant woman enlist into war, even if her country, if there was a, if there was an, it's one thing to take up a gun and kill a home, you know, someone invading your home or 
trying to do you harm, but there's also like, is this absolutely necessary? She thought it was as a leader. And, you know, you can debate that, but I'd say that's arguably not. I don't. What did she do to was non maternal in this episode other than almost let Carol die? I don't know. Huh. Couldn't tell you. All right. I don't well. know why people would be saying that, but I, I don't see it. Uh, Barry C. from the UK. Remind me, guys, what is the significance of where the Savior got the bike from? I know Daryl had it stolen, in hindsight, presumably by a Savior, but did he reveal any significant information to them about Alexandria, the group, etc.? No. I no think he, it was literally he got stolen just, from the trucking people. Yeah. Who, I who don't think are, are implied s- are Saviors. Are they? I, I think so. And it's also implied that they caught uh, the hippies... The, the, they weren't they those weren't hippies but they were in the woods and they were a completely See, I, I, I thought this was a, just a band that was part of that trucking company that had the car the truck and and they stole daryl's bike and they rode off and the implication is they fell afoul of the saviors and then they're either join the saviors because i don't i mean how I'm, does how the do implication... the saviors recruit like do they have an open recruitment when they first come to like a hilltop and be like, all right, who's all your badasses? Come with us. All you serfs, stay behind and give us tribute. Because if they just come and enslave an entire community, how do they ever grow? Well, Do they need to grow? Have, I, don't I know. mean, these are all open questions. Maybe I'm wrong in this. Maybe I'm misremembering. But weren't the, the, the three people who escaped, uh, who Daryl found, weren't they escaped from like a colony? Like, didn't they make a point? See, I found that very hard to follow because there was the forest fire right, and right. the it fuel was not truck, great. and they did they they worked for the fuel company, and they're looking for a woman that turned out to be a truck, and then there was people in a <laughs> grow another grow house uh, that got uh-huh. melted. Like I, but I remember at the time, like, what the fuck are they trying to tell me with all this? I think they were trying to say that they were but, part of a bigger group, but they that may did have not strike saviors. me as saviors. They struck me as people who might have been overly concerned with being victimized by people like the saviors but okay maybe yeah i I don't think it's totally clear but uh you're free to draw your own conclusions barry but yeah i think i think daryl had a soft spot for those people and they stole his bike and he's concerned with what happened to them when they stole his bike oh yeah definitely so dan from philly says hey guys what the fuck another dare i say great episode i would i i would not dare you to Okay, that's not the most controversial thing he's about to say. I'd say slow your roll in the dares, man. What are you, daredevil? Dan's also going to say five weeks in a row, and I'm frankly blown away. I mean, I didn't like I mean, I, there the were some people liking the premiere. I didn't like it. I know a lot of people did. I would for sure say that, I, that wasn't a turd episode. No. So if you're if you're going for like a five episode non turd stretch, well, I mean it was it wasn't great. It wasn't great. So they had a three episode a of stretch of good episodes. I don't. Is this a good episode? I would say this I, is an okay episode. Yeah, this is. Uh, it's certainly not a poor episode. So like at a five star scale, the last three had been four star. This is a three star. I might even have thrown a five star in there. Maybe. Maybe well, on a Walking Dead scale, sure. <laughs> right. Right. If you're walking dead scale, yeah, for sure one of them was a five star. Yeah. Because I called it, like, perhaps the greatest episode. I mean, I know those words came out of my mouth. So. <laughs> right. He says, from a horrible show in the first half of season six to flat out horror show in the second. Wait. Horror show in the good sense, I guess. Mm-hmm. My only fear is with the coming attractions for next week that 
uh, are that this fucking Morgan is going to be like a virus of boredom. But then again, <laughs> maybe they need a quiet episode before the big last two. Yeah, I can see that. And I, I think there's going to be some... I don't want to call it Morgalizing next episode because it could be good. I just think Carol and Morgan are going to have some words. And They're going to have something to discuss. That, that could... I'm fine with that, honestly. Yeah. I don't... I mean, it just it depends on how well it's written. Right. Uh, but I can see that being interesting. And, um, I mean, hopefully what happens is Morgan and Carol kind of meet each other in the middle. Like, mm-hmm. Morgan grows up a little bit and realizes that his black and white worldview will not work and and so was carol like you know that there are these shades of gray and you have to use nuance and discerning and you can't just you know not not, the world's not one big nail that you can just hammer um so they both need to change and grow but yeah hopefully they they do that natalie says the good of this episode was the action especially the grisly death of paula and carol's macgyver crematorium and all the female to female interactions with the walking which the walking dead can be a bit shitty at. Uh I'm pretty certain that in 3 seasons Michonne and Carol have never had a conversation for instance. Mhm. She might be right about that. I can't recall one. Uh the bad was that this episode was essentially the writers putting the story on pause because 6B has one more episode than they actually need. The few important newish things we learned this episode could have been in last episode. Carol could have confronted mm-hmm. uh could have had a confrontation with the savior during the raid that highlighted our new reluctance to kill. Uh, a lot of other things could have happened. That said, in the pantheon of the Walking Dead filler slash bottle episodes, this one rates high to me, even though I was nodding off during the many what are you afraid of conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's uh, yeah, I agree. I, I agree with all that. All right. Marky says that this episode was great. Love the turn of events from the past few uh half seasons where it kicked off with an amazing action then devolved into plot oatmeal total opposite here underwhelming premiere followed by a great story so yeah. so much tension this week and a great guest starring role didn't recognize alicia witt uh last week took a few minutes for the gears to turn and she had a most righteous death ba- uh best zombie chow down scene in ages yeah i think it was pretty good uh, anyway, how glad are we that instead of having Carol and Morgan talk for three episodes, we saw Carol temper her actions based on how Morgan's approach has influenced her. While there wasn't a huge buildup to her moral dilemma, I feel like it was very in line with Carol's character to keep her own counsel. Not until she is put to the test do we see how she is coping with these moral choices. Melissa McBride continues to be amazing, totally would be deserving of award recognition as supporting role. Uh, and I really enjoyed that Maggie got to showcase her lack of mercy. She is totally beyond hand-wringing over good guys versus bad guys. Maybe Tobin should have given her the you-can-do-this-because-you're-a-mom speech. <laughs> Glenn, Glenn might have not liked the aftermath of that. You will be a mom, yeah. Having, oh, yeah. having his pregnant wife mouth kiss uh, oh, milk Maggie toast. Maggie would, would kill Tobin son of a bitch. thinking about it. Yeah. There'd be, there'd be another memorial up on the wall. Uh-huh. <laughs> they, they wouldn't bury him? Is that what you're implying? <laughs> no, Maggie Jesus. would drag his ass to the quarry, push him off, and then keep erasing his name when people start trying to put it up. Yep. Uh, we still got a few more emails here. King Gore says, is Negan an entity like an idea or religion, or is there a cast actor for this role? I don't remember anything like this in the comics. How cool would it be if all these guys just believe in the same things and Negan is a way of... Is a way of living, not a person. It would be cool to be if he's like a Raz Al, Al Ghul type, right? Yeah, it's a name I was trying to the League of Shadows name I was trying to remember. I couldn't. But no, I, that, that would be that would be a very cool development, I think. 
All right, Jenkins B says, firstly, these past five episodes are arguably the best streak of five Walking Dead episodes since the first season. That's not hard to argue. Yeah, yeah, because the first season didn't really have five first, in a row. The first were... season had a couple clunkers in there. Yeah. In hindsight, do you guys have any regret not continuing the instant cast? No. Uh, Zero. <laughs> I think we talk enough about this show in the two hours that we spend every Monday. Yeah, I mean, because that's the thing. Like, um, I still do the live watch, which is in- entertaining and interesting. And that frees, I think I can, I do much better job in the, I know, I think this is, it's hard because, yes, this, this, sh- if this show was as good, this good last season, we wouldn't have ever had the conversation. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes you, you luck into things because I feel like this is the perfect way to cover it. You do the live watch where you just kind of jokey and have fun with the fans. And then you do the full depth coverage accelerated on Monday. Um, and that feel that, that just paces out things so much nicer, I think. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I'm not regretting the decision. Yeah. Now, if this ever becomes like a super cerebral deep show with a lot of knowledge, you, and that's the thing, we always reserve the right to change it back. Yeah. Or expand it or do whatever we want with it. Right. Maybe we'll want that kind of shallow instant take and then yeah. postpone the real show a few days and yeah. get a. A deep cover. But that's a but, that's always a calculus. It's not like oh, you know, we we always think of like okay, I, I, in terms of the product we're putting out, can we put out a consistently good product if we have X amount of coverage? Like a lot of times, I think people think that we make decisions about whether what gets instant cast and what gets the, you know, like in, in, when Game of Thrones we split out the feedback, the the spoiler feedback to another cast. It's like that's all just to chase numbers. And it's more like what is the fit for the material. Right. Like, you know, you get a show like The Leftovers where we do what we call a half-ass podcast format, but nobody, I don't think, would say that that's a half-ass podcast. (laughs) God, I hope not, because I put more effort into that most of the time. But The Leftovers doesn't lend itself to a scene-by-scene. It's much more thematic, and we have a much more interesting conversation that way. So, believe it or not, we try to tailor the coverage to maximize the quality of the product rather than just, oh, well, we only have so much time to do this week, so fuck it. Right. Yeah. Also, unlike AMC selling millions of dollars of advertising, <laughs> the numbers don't really benefit us that much. Sure. Honestly. Like, no. capturing, you know, X thousands of people three times a week versus once a week doesn't matter to us. Yeah. It's still the same number of people hearing our stuff. Yeah. I mean, we could get double the downloads probably by splitting the feedback move it to thursday yeah, but, but why downloads don't matter <laughs> i know unless you're getting paid for them and you're and just we're pissing not, off the fans so. to get double the downloads which is probably going to lead to yeah. not getting double the downloads so there's your insider minute with bald move yep uh finally caprica says regardless uh well i, I truncated this email obviously regardless curious to hear your thoughts on how this additional massacre against even more saviors will affect the group at this point, they've killed at least 25 of the saviors from the moment we found them at the start of the half season, and that's a low number. Each one of them has died pretty messy, uh, a pretty messed up death, if you ask me. How will Negan approach... Oh, this person, Caprica, I, is he or she? I don't know. Uh, is assuming that Negan is still out there, or that Negan is a concept. Uh, how will he retaliate, and how the hell is he going to find out about all this? Our guys left no stone unturned, as far as we know. What will be the breadcrumb that leads the saviors their way? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't even know if it'll happen like that. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Who knows? And then... 
Those are all mildly interesting questions to ask. Right. And then Caprica asks also uh, the question we were pondering a second ago, were the people who uh, set the trap in the, the truck yard, remember that back in season five, mm-hmm. were they saviors? I thought those were wolves. I thought so too. Or yeah. they also could have been um, the trucker company people. Potentially. Yeah. Which I think are saviors, but you don't. I don't. No, I don't. Right. I think they were, no. Yeah. So. That might be an unknowable question, though. Yeah, and I don't know if they're trying to necessarily say it, like who those people were. Mm-hmm. I thought the motorcycle was a fairly good indication, but. Because the other thing you, is, we know for factors, think I think so. there are multiple settlements besides the Hilltop and Alexandria, because the Hilltop's already trading with communities, unless they are saying mm-hmm. that the saviors are a community yeah. they're trading with which is that's is not that what really i would trade? describe it that's not trade it's more that's of a, a uh you know a tithe yeah it's more of a, a mongol step people hoard yeah exacting tribute than true trade mm-hmm. i don't know i so i i'm still hopeful that there's <laughs> this is not the silk road here yeah i'm still talking about. <laughs> i'm still hopeful that the world will get even larger and we'll have multiple settlements before everything yeah. is all uh, said and done and we'll have a lot more colorful characters that we don't have to touch in with every week and mm-hmm. it'll be it'll be it'll be cool all right well that's it for feedback and uh that's gonna be we the end of the, the show we do have some spoiler emails that we'll okay get cool because i actually had some spoiler things i wanted to say all right yeah we'll have them after the music uh how do they how do people get in touch with us what's what's the outro on this what the are uh, watching dead at baldmove.com and you that's where you send your emails and also we have a show thread forums.baldmove.com there's also a comic like a a, a comic spoilers season six thread going oh, uh, okay. if, if you're in, if you want to talk spoilers please don't do it in the regular threads because most everyone's seen the tv show but not everybody's read the comics right so start your own spoiler thread or there's join into the mega spoiler thread that we got going in the uh, Watching Dead forums. Yeah, it does bring up something else that was on my mind. Oh? About, about this this show in general. What's that? Uh, and about the format of it. Like, it always does seem, uh, one of our one of our listeners was writing in about it, how it seems like maybe they have a few too many episodes, or, or the season doesn't always seem to match the size of the season. But they always uh, have to make 16. Right. They've always got to make that many, and... They're trying to hit certain beats from the comic at certain times because they're yeah r- rightfully because they're big moments right yeah you want to hit those big moments at the end of a season or the end of a half season and if you just don't have enough material to quite get there from the comics then you got to start making stuff up and that's kind of what all this has been right sure I mean this so, is I don't know this is what television struggled with for decades. You know, they had 24 episodes no well, matter what. Right, but they didn't they also didn't have the added baggage of a comic book. Oh, that they actually they have, have a continuity to that they hit have certain to points. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. And I feel like that adds an extra layer of difficulty. But on the other hand, you've got years to work on these problems. Like are Right. I mean, maybe Scott's yeah, at the end of the season clocks out and doesn't think about the show, but as a showrunner, I think it's kind of on you mm-hmm. to you and Kirkman to hammer out like a Bible that says this is this season, this is, and if you don't have that shit kind of specked out to roughly the episode and years in advance, then well, it ain't my problem for caring, you know, for caring too much about it. It's your problem for caring too little. Yeah, in my opinion. All right, we'll uh, we'll see you next week.
we're back with the spoiler section. Uh, I've got a few emails. You said you had some stuff you wanted to talk about as well. What do you want to do first here? Let's go with the emails because you put me on a spot now. I forgot what I want to talk about. Okay. We'll start off with Jacob. Uh-huh. Uh, and I can't remember if I read through these or not. Oh, so some of them I read, just rambling. remembered what I want to. Do you want me to do you want do you want to do you want to go with the emails or do you want to go with my unique thoughts right up the top? Let's call let's call the audible. Let's go with your, okay. your thoughts. Uh this stuff to do with the I am Negan is really cool. And this is one of the things where real life intrudes upon the storytelling in ways I don't know that they could prevent. Because we already know that Negan's been cast as a flesh and blood person. Right. Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. And I wish I didn't because I'd be thinking, like, if I wasn't a comic fan, I'd I'd be thinking, oh, wow, this could be next level stuff. And if I was a comic fan, I'd be thinking, oh, this might be a potentially cool remix. But I know it's kind of, it's just a Spartacus, it's a a standard Spartacus situation. Right. I don't know whether he's trained him to do that or or what, but... um, so it's still a kind yeah, of a, a cool seems... twist on the concept. And it's I think it's a fairly effective tactic, uh, even if we know better. Yeah. So I don't I don't think it's without merit altogether since we we know that he's a real guy, but uh yeah, you're right. It would be more effective for us as viewers. And maybe so that. I'm starting to not exactly soften my criticism of Kirkman doing things like showing up at midnight and being like, Yeah, spoiler, Negan beats Glenn's brains out with a baseball bat named Lucille. Uh but if you are a person in this, sh- you know, like uh, you're you're the, the, the double D's, and you have a a, pl- a cliffhanger slash tragic thing happen at the end of a season that I'm not going to get into because I want to spoil the Game of Thrones for people. But you know that like the casting and the shooting reports and all that stuff is instantly going to betray that. Yeah, uh, the TV guide is going to spoil it for you essentially. Uh, that must be super frustrating, and you can see. Kirkman's antics as a way to maybe do an in run around that where you put so much bullshit out into the, the it's like chaff you know right. you got a missile locked onto you will you know dump a whole bunch of it's camouflage yeah put a bunch of shredded tin foil in the air and see what it thinks of that yeah yeah exactly you're you're trying to hide in plain sight by disseminating a whole bunch of misinformation mm-hmm. and half truths and true truths and that way it's a surprise right and that does work but at the same time it might i think there's there's, there's a less patronizing way to do it but you know it's kind of like i guess on maybe he sees it because i'm thinking that's how you treat a little kid it's like did you get me a surprise well it wouldn't be a surprise if i told you no what'd you get me did you get me a pony yeah sure i did no you didn't oh well you just like okay whatever i mean is he playing that with the fans because he's kind of got that opinion like if you if you literally can't Wait, like, like, you know, when a guy like Chris Hardwick or anybody says, oh, what can you tell us about what's coming down the pike? Like, no one ever expects an answer. That's such a shitty thing, yeah. because if he just said, like, well, here's exactly what's going to happen, he would be crucified for spoiling the damn show. It's an unanswerable question. Like, it, it, there is something intrinsically immature about the way fandom interfaces with the things that they love. And You're right. You're right. It's all understandable, and I'm not immune to that, but, you know... I just But to troll back, I don't I don't feel like that's the way to go either. Who's who's the guy that plays uh Al Swearingen on Deadwood? I don't know. Because he got in some hot water over the weekend because he gave an off the cuff interview where I guess he really did something in an interview with a minor spoiler for Game of Thrones and he was quoted as saying like at some point like 
Jesus, people, grow up. It's just tits and dragons. <laughs> and now people are like, oh, he doesn't respect the fans. He does. I'm like, well, you know, this is why. The guy makes a joke. He's probably laughing as he's talking to his interviewer. It, that that one sentence is cut out of this God knows 15, 20, 30 minute interview posted on fucking titsanddragons.com and now everybody <laughs> hates the man before they've even seen his performance. Like, what are you going to... You can't win, man. You can't win. I would recommend not going to titsanddragons.com. I don't know what's there, but it can't be good. I've seen the weird-ass fleshlight shit that comes up. Bad Dragon? <laughs> yeah. Okay, right. sure. Titsanddragons.com, I'm sure, is similar. Uh, you, you're right. I... There is a certain, like, silliness with which both sides interact, and it's, it's kind of the way like, it's always been, and it's real stupid. It's like, like the common refrain, refrain to sports writers is, oh, athletes no longer give you access. We used to hang out in the locker rooms and go out to dinner and hear all these wilds. Well, you know why? Because you fucking printed all that shit. Yeah. So now you get the corporate person that's protecting and preserving an image, and you're not getting intimate stories because you guys fucking couldn't handle your shit so like i mean do we want people to give honest and open opinions about stuff or do we want to crucify and and gotcha and you know there's a fine line between holding people accountable for stupid shit and also getting bent out of shape when they make fun of you know when they do a a william shatner get a life kind of moment you know right right but i also you know you can see it from the other side too where all of these Shows want to get their people out there and get the hype up and talk it's, about their show, and yet they're willing to game, unanswer man. a bunch of questions yep. because that would give it away, and rightfully so. I think it would spoil a lot of the show for people. Sure. But both sides want two different things, neither of which are willing to give yeah. uh, those things, and it's just a bad, bad scene all around. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like don't don't do any interviews until after the thing's over because then you can talk about it all. And it's you can lay it all out. But Everyone, even then, like, there's a backlash against that, like showrunners coming out and doing the postseason autopsies. I think that's fascinating as a fan. But a lot of people are like, yeah. just you know, why don't you just let your work stand? It's so many opinions, man. True. All right. Uh, any other thoughts, or should we get to emails? I think we're ready for emails. Okay. Jacob starts off. Uh, wanted to point out another major character death that happens in the comics in issue or two before the bat in 100. Oh, the arrow. Takes place after Abraham and Rosita break up, and Eugene starts to develop feelings for Rosita, which we speculated on briefly in the live watch with his fucking mullet haircut. That's I, I oh, think the did, mullet's gone. This is the biggest spoiler. I <laughs> I did. I watched that. He for sure has got a haircut. Oh, shit, he's going. Yeah, he's closing in he's on Rosita. Samson after he cut his hair. Right. He's not going to get the girl. No. He's going to crush her to death. Yeah, <laughs> in a temple collapse. Sure, sure. That's exactly what's going to happen. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Eugene and Abraham take patrol together to talk about Rosita. As Abraham is giving his blessing to Eugene, he is shot mid-speech in the back of the head with crossbow by Dwight, Negan's right-hand man and with a half-burnt face. Right-faced, I was going to say. <laughs> half-faced right-hand man. Uh, Eugene is then captured by the Saviors, which spawns a rescue mission by Rick and company. This leads our crew to the brutal bat scene we know and hate. Uh, okay. So he doesn't speculate any further on who may be getting the crossbow. Uh I suppose he thinks it's going to... Or may, who may be firing the crossbow, rather. So I don't know if there's going to be this guy named Dwight. We haven't really heard anything about him. Right. I imagine you need somebody like Dwight, unless you're going to completely rewrite the Total War storyline. Um, I will gotcha. say this about... Uh, I'll say this about Abraham, is that uh, Kirkman has gone on record as saying you know, many times that his biggest regret, comic book regret, is is chopping off Rick's right arm. 
right hand. Yeah. Because uh, of all the storytelling limitations. And do you see that in the, the TV show, he's still got two hands. Mm-hmm. Kirkman's also said, I in retrospect, if I knew I was going all out war, the least interesting thing to do was be to kill the soldier in the group before you have an all out war. Okay. So if he takes that lesson and applies it, that would he would keep Abraham alive throughout the war and not kill him right before it starts. Oh. Did I lose you? I feel like I've lost you. Abra- Abraham is shot in the head. Oh, you thought... Shot with the, I thought Eugene no, was shot no, no, with no, the no, crossbow. No, 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 Abraham gets shot in the head. Okay, I was misreading that. A lot of he's in that sentence. Yeah, yeah, no. So, okay, okay, gotcha. So that's a big regret of his? Yeah, he says that that's... But on the other, he says it's like the one at least... Uh, but I think it's an interesting thing to do is to kill the soldier right before you have a war. That's kind of ironic. Um, Maybe he's not a fan of the way in which he did it, kind of the random sort of... It, that's the thing. Like, like this era, I remember that was a big gut punch, and then he follows it up with an even bigger one with the Glen, and it was a really... Like, it did a, such a great job of just, like, oh, you set into the grim pleasure of watching Rick's group just tear ass. Yeah. And, like, yeah, yeah, this is going to be, like, the the opposite of Woodbury. And then Abraham takes an arrow, senseless, and then, then Rick gets the, the – Negan gets the better of him and beats Glenn to death. And then Rick has to, you know, act like he's got his tail between his leg and pissing himself. It's all super fascinating and emotionally effective. I don't know why you'd change any of it, honestly. I like Abraham. Yeah. Um, it also is weird that you'd set up all this trem- this this tension in the group, and then have him killed. Hmm. Right. Because uh, there's a lot of potential so story. If you're there. Kirkman, which way do you go? Do you keep the soldier for the war and keep that tension within the group, or do you ease it off by killing him? But also, man, that would be the people would be on edge again. Yeah. Because Abraham's popular. I, I feel like I need one more scene of them thoroughly whomping ass. For me to really be impressed by their their skills, really, like I know they haven't lost anybody in in these raids, mm-hmm. but they've really only gone on one raid, right? I mean, the raid on the the raid we saw this week wasn't a raid; it was it was Carol. And well, that's Maggie what I'm saying. Like, from the like, like the emotion in the comic is like when they capture Eugene and kill Abraham. It's like, do you, can you believe the balls in these fucking saviors? Uh, right, like, and I'm saying I think I need one more badass moment for the group before I'm prepared to go there. Well, but on the other hand, it's a if you're expecting that and needing that and you get denied, that's a tension all of its own. That's why I'm saying like that tension and that dread is in the comics. Um, hmm. Anyway, I don't know. And it also sets up all some right. interesting possibilities. Like at one point, I don't know if they're going to do this, but I think it'd be interesting. Carl gets so fed up with his old man uh what you you know playing the long con that he decides to go and he's going to he's going to take out Negan himself and that goes that sounds bad that go but that leads to a lot of interesting storytelling that ripples years down after these events so hmm. i think that i've as always i'm hoping that kirkman just kind of mostly tells it as it is because there's some really effective things that I think may, it's, it's possible that Kirkman just arrived at these at accident, you know, as an accident. If he goes trying to fix the stuff, he might actually fuck up the whole thing that makes it work. Could be. Could be. All right. Edwin C. says, this episode was mostly original material, but with one exception, which was the walkers in the hall blocking the exit. Uh, Negan has many outposts in the comics, so the building they attacked and the one in this episode must also be outposts of his. His main base is called the Sanctuary 
which is an industrial factory that is huge. The way this ties into the comics is that the sanctuary is filled with literally hundreds of these spiked walkers surrounding the gates of the building, and in between these spiked walkers are stone barricades all over. The only clear path is a windy road they created, which uh, in itself is a tight squeeze. Should we talk as about Dwight comments? Uh, uh, with do we talk about that like in context of the, the gate? The fact that that's smart that they that they have to run a chicane to get to it. Right, right. He's saying, I guess, that they did that also at at Negan's place. Pro- I, don't, I don't remember the exact layout, but I do remember the industrial look of it. Right. It says the next casualty uh, in the comics is Abraham, which we just talked about, which I was thinking would be Tara as she and Heath are going on a supply run. And Abraham also dies in a supply run from the look of the previews. Um, Abraham's not back in Alexandria, so it may well uh, might be him. But I feel like there's still character building between him. Tara and Tara was pregnant as fuck. I think she's done with the filming, and and I think <laughs> that we just and if if you, we see next time on that Eugene and Abraham are going out on a two man team, that's something that was teased a couple episodes of Sasha's conversation with Abraham. Right now, this could be a remix where Kirkman knows that all the comic book fans are going to be like holding their breath and the blow never comes. But it would not yeah. shock me to see him see him die. Right. And maybe he could use, uh, you know, uh, uh, Masterson's, uh, whatever her name is, something. Alana? Alana yeah. Masterson? Yeah, Tara. Maybe use her pregnancy as a smokescreen to get two groups of people out there. Sure. Switch it up and kill her or Heath, potentially. The other thing is, like, I was thinking about the impact. Like, I wonder what Rosita and Sasha would feel about each other if Abraham dies. Like, that's such a fresh wound huh. and then you, like, your ex... Like, it's one thing if your ex dies years later. If your ex breaks up with you and then immediately dies in a car wreck, that would be kind of fucked up because you still kind right. of, like, you know. And Sasha is, like, to be fair, from... Sasha's not cheated with Abraham. She's like, uh, you need to be a stand-up guy if you want this to proceed. But Rosita right. doesn't necessarily know that. And if Sasha tells us, like, well, thanks, bitch. She just ripped my heart out before he died. Like, that could be interesting yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, finally, Drew from Ohio says, if the all-out worry... Uh, all-out worry? <laughs> all-out war storyline... Sounds cuter that way. ...takes the entirety of next season, or just the first half, uh, do you think the show will follow with the time jump like the comics or start exploring some off-book uncharted waters? Well, that's the big... That's the thirty-five, thirty-six, how many thousand dollar question on the pyramid. That's a big question, right? Because... Smart money is if they if, if Kirkman is impatient to get to where he's at in the comic books and start telling his larger story and is not afraid to leapfrog and go beyond, mm-hmm. then he probably should just do the time jump. If he's afraid, like, ah, I want to get a little bit more comic and I want to tell some new stories, like, you know, the expanded universe type stories, there's a perfect opportunity in that two-year jump between all you out war and where they're at to tell some more stories about how Rick kind of gets this coalition off the ground and and all that. So it's like either way could be interesting. Either way is going to involve them making up new material. So it's like, which do you want? Would you rather be making up new uh, material with the constraint of you got to go to this particular distance, the target in the distance? Or would you rather get beyond that and just wherever you go is wherever you go. It's a good question, and I don't envy the writers for having to make that decision. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I, I wonder what one. Kirkman thinks about it. Because, right. like, how does he, it's like this is a weird reverse George Martin situation where, like, his comic book is his baby, but the television show is his baby, too. Who does he love more? Uh-huh. 
Does he like coming up with new stuff for the comic books and then embellishing it and remixing it? Or would he rather start original screenplay type stuff and then have the comic ape that? Like, what does that do to the comic readership if, (laughs) you know? I don't know, man. This is all very interesting times we live in from a creative struggle standpoint with the stuff going on. Martin, they're going beyond his books now. and Right, cross-media type stuff. I mean, yeah. it's, it's always been, you know, it's a thing that's been done a lot, but mostly in movies and mostly with, like, finished works. Like, this is a book, and we're converting it to a film. Yeah. Now with all these ongoing things. Now, talking about the all-out war, mm-hmm. how did they do that? Because... It seems to me the best pacing would be you've got is you, so so Rick someone gets their brains beat out and Rick's put on notice at the end of the season. Next season you could say because I remember I felt like it took forever for Rick to finally build the coalition to take down Net Negan, and I was frustrated as a comic book reader, uh, but not in like I can't believe this bullshit. Just kind of like I can't believe Rick's doing this. Maybe you take a full eight episodes to really and like everyone in Alexander just thinks Rick has given up. Because in the comics, he's shacked up with Andrea, and even Andrea's like, eventually, like, what the fuck? And his son turns <laughs> against him. Like, it might take a whole half season to feel that, and I can I yeah. can only imagine what the fans are going to say. Like, right. how, but it's to tell this, you, didn't you find out that Rick has got this grand scheme that he's cooked up with, you know, the other leaders of the resistance to do this, to, to, to do this all-out war thing? Is that something that's kind of brewing off screen in the comics like the you don't know about you know the reader, Rick, or you, you got the you, uh, the way and i've only read this once it was a long time ago but my impression right. was that there was a little bit of a gleam in rick's eye like they would have a close-up of his face after someone called him a coward or i can't believe you're doing this and you and, and he's you like knew. mentally check marking i gotta get him later <laughs> well no it's more like i you don't know what i'm planning like yeah. or like you yeah. got to be patient or he'd say something to the effect of like you just you, you need to trust me. Um, but, you know, yeah. How long can they do that on screen? I don't know. I mean, well, if Walking Dead can do shit for a long time, does it work? I don't know. Right. But I feel That's like a natural pacing should be like a whole season of that or a whole half season of that brewing. And then the second half of next season to be the all out war balls of the wall gonzo that also from a budgetary standpoint yeah because i i imagine all out war is going to be expensive as hell to film yeah so you soak it up with a whole bunch of boring shit in the first half or you know you just up the budget because i don't i don't know i honestly <laughs> don't know how you tell the whole story in eight episodes that seems like like 13 would be perfect 16's too much hmm. i don't and and you got the half put season. some organizing in yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. Like a 13 episode that split like six and seven would be perfect. Uh, eight and eight is it, something's going to be fucked up in a pacing. Maybe an episode where Carl's eyes bothering him. They they're out of Neosporin. They need to go on a well, run. Well, I mean, there's like you got these bottle episodes. So like Carl's <laughs> right. sneaking into the Savior compound, and you know, uh-huh. like that's that's an episode. Uh, you know, introduction of the kingdom. If they want to do that, that's an episode or two. Uh, but that's a lot of Rick waffling and trying to keep a community. Yeah, I'm worried about that. That sounds scary from a Walking Dead TV show perspective. But I mean, because I know there's a lot of people that read this multiple times. It, it'd be interesting to see what their take on that because I could be misremembering. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just remembered it's like it just seemed. And the other thing is, I this could be excavating it because I caught up to current uh, right around issue 100, and I got I've gone from reading a dozen issues a day. Mm-hmm. 
to like waiting every month for it to come out. And it could be right. some of that frustration is, is Jesus Christ, it's taking forever to get to where I know six this months. is going to go. Yeah, six months to a year. Yeah. And then All Out War is the opposite because they were for the core part of that pushing out two episode, two issues a month. So oh, it seemed wow. like everything moved faster. Yeah. So that, that could be a part of it too. Hmm. All right. Well, that's all I got. That's, yeah, if you uh, want to send in th- thoughts on that, watching dead at baldmove.com or just the comic spoiler thread on the forums.baldmove. If you want to talk at baldmove.com, forums.baldmove.com. Cool. Well, uh, that's it for the show. We're going to be back, obviously, next Monday with another one of these. Hopefully, uh, we, we kick it up a notch again next week. It'd be nice. It'd be all right, either writing-wise or action-wise. Either one will do. Uh, I feel like we're in for some morgalizing. Sure. But maybe a little bit better morgalizing than we've seen in the past. Sure. So here's, here's to hoping. Uh, we'll see you guys next Monday.